0: This is Bars Loaded with Ben and Nick, a strength, powerlifting, and performance podcast where we hope to share our opinions, help educate and inspire, tell a few stories, build a community along the way, and Bars Loaded. Three, two, one, Bars Loaded. Let's rock and roll. <laughs> As always, super underprepared, super sweaty, <laughs> and over caffeinated. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Not just Monday nights, yeah so all it's like, well, the time. Well, just like my life, just in general, from birth, yeah. you know yeah. i um so we've got this really fancy coffee machine mm-hmm. that makes really nice coffee um because both em and I are big fans of caffeine of the coffee variety in particular
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um i so. <laughs> Em's got this like new thing now where after every time you make a coffee, you have to clean the coffee machine. And I'm really bad at doing that. It's like I'll just make a coffee <laughs> and just walk away. <laughs> nice. And then she'll just like bust into my office and be like, babe, you didn't clean the coffee machine again. I'm like, oh no, I'm just, I'm going to make another one soon. So I left it. Um, cause I was having, an absurd amount of coffee like a week ago. How much is an absurd amount? I was averaging like seven to 10 cups of Long Blacks a day.
2: So this was full today. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Because it, it's so hot. I was like, I'm going to make like a liter of cold brew. And nice. the very small amount left in here is all I have left. From That's it? It's 10 nice. liters. And that wasn't my only coffee either. <laughs> <laughs> I had hot coffees too. <laughs> well, I yes. had a double espresso when I trained, so yeah. Nice.
0: Yeah, so I. So there was like this ongoing battle for a couple of weeks of me not cleaning the coffee machine and then Em trying to force me to clean the coffee machine after every time I made a coffee. Mm-hmm. And then she actually said to me this week, if you're not going to clean the coffee machine after you make it, I'm banning you from making coffees. Does that mean she's just going to make coffee for you? Well, that's what I suggested and it didn't go down very well. Yeah, I don't think it would have. (laughs) No, trust me, it didn't. So now what's happened is today, I got in trouble this morning for making a coffee when I got home from the gym and not cleaning the coffee machine. Mm -hmm. So then I was kind of like a little bit gun shy to make any more coffees for the rest of the day because so like, oh, I don't really want to get in trouble again. And I know like, it's all well and good to say I'll clean it, but I know I'll forget. So I just kind of didn't.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, you know, like the Super Bowl was on, so I was doing that and I was doing my programming at the same time. And to be honest, like I just didn't make any coffees. So I had two coffees this morning when I got home from the gym, one before. That's the only coffee I've had all day except for the one that I have right now. And before this podcast, I had the biggest migraine. And um, I was like, oh, man, I've got a massive headache. I'm going to have to take Panadol, I think. And she's like, well, you haven't had much coffee today. Maybe you have caffeine withdrawals.
1: <laughs> like, well,
0: I've had four. Like, Do you reckon I, Do you really think I'd be having withdrawals off four? And she's like, probably. So before the podcast actually made a long black skull dirt, Yep. Made another one, which is the one that I have here. And guess what? I have zero Go headache. On. You're a fiend. No headache. I'm addicted to
2: caffeine and I'm not ashamed to say it. Well, I was having this conversation with one of the guys at the gym the other day. And he was like, he's like, Yeah, like, you know, if you're having a, a double espresso, you know, like it's either meaning that you've got a hard session or you've got legs. So I'm like, Well Yeah, I'm like that, or I'm just, you know, a caffeine act. He's like, Well, yeah, know that's that true. I said, Well, you know. At the end of the day, it was that it was you know it's either caffeine or meth and <laughs> caffeine's healthier. <laughs> yeah, and by all
0: reports, it probably tastes better too. <sighs> I mean, from experience, like not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what meth tastes like, but I'm assuming it would taste like really
2: chemical. Well, I mean, how many meth heads do you see who have just like fucked up teeth? Yeah, well, like, like- yeah. If or if they're smoking it and that's what they're do- it's doing to their teeth, I don't think I want that. No, like, I, I don't, I'll stick to my coffee, thank you. It doesn't scream flavor to me. Well, from what I hear, when you get like the see-through crystals, that's like the plain flavored one. If you get like the brown <laughs> one, that's like the chocolate flavored meth.
0: <laughs> oh, dude, that's so gross. Yeah, <laughs> that's so gross. Meth or, is
2: so disgusting. Or the tro- the the brown meth is the one that someone smuggled into prison, and it's just with <laughs> <stable> shit. <laughs> the, extra, the extra brown meth. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's probably the one with the most flavor. Yeah, but that's when you know they've really messed up. <laughs> oh, Q Q meth jokes. That's good. <laughs> So we're we're now YouTube, um, video stars. Apparently so, yeah. It's exciting. Mm. Yeah, we've got two two up on YouTube. Um, How just much did you it. enjoy that process? Oh,
2: minus ten thousand. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when you were sending me the message. Has been like, oh. dude, it's so slow. It's taking forever. This is giving me the shit. And then it's got like buffer up to like 4k or some shit afterward and you're yeah. like dude
0: fuck yeah yeah but, but it was worse than what i even told you i didn't tell you the first part of it because i wasn't like super frustrated at that part because it was like you know when th- you know something takes a lot longer than you're expecting that mm. it's like halfway through the process that you start to get really frustrated Yeah, It's like the first part, you're like, oh, this has taken a little bit longer than I expected. I didn't expect this. And you kind of like talk your way through it. And you, I'm a come on, I'm a calm fella. I can get through this. It's all right. It's just a minor setback. And then it's like, wait, I have to wait again. Oh my God, I'm still waiting. And the the frustration just slowly builds. (laughs) So that happened. And I didn't message you until like three quarters of the way through. So what originally happened was, so you know how we record these, through the, the program that we record them through. Yeah. That records um, these videos into, like, the, the program on the internet mm-hmm. uh, in very high quality. Um, but it doesn't actually download them until you ask it to. Okay. So I, I clicked on the video um, and I pressed, uh, you know, like, yep, this is where I want it to start. This is where I want it to end. And then I clicked, you know, all of the the high resolution video things, the the noise things to make it as even as possible sound wise. And then I pressed, uh, you know, export. And I was expecting it to go fairly quick because the reels that I make take
1: about
0: five minutes to export per reel, right? And then... Mm once it's exported that means it's ready to then download to your computer and then the downloading of the reels takes about 15 seconds and it's on my computer then I can send it to the phone and bob drunkle so the exporting process for the first entire podcast video from start to finish the exporting process took 45 minutes and I was like oh, dude, this is going to be a lengthy process. I wasn't Mm. expecting this. Um, But that was okay because I was building the YouTube channel at the same time while I was waiting for that to happen. Then I pressed, then it was ready to download. I was like, sweet. Press download. It then took an hour and a half to download from the program to my computer. And I was like, ooh, that's double the length. That's not cool. Cool. No, <laughs> and, right. So at this point, I'm like two hours and fifteen minutes in, and the as far as I have got is the video is on my computer. Good. And I was like, all right, cool. I guess this is going to be a really long day, um, mm-hmm. but we're I'm committed now. So then I had the, it was ready to upload to YouTube. So I pressed upload video, went through the the process that you go through to upload it onto YouTube. And then I pressed, I clicked all the boxes, do all the things, pressed upload.
1: It says uploading video. Uh, it'll be public uh, in you know three hours or something.
0: I was like, dude, that's five hours to get one video up. And it didn't end up taking three hours. It took, I think, it took two and a half. Mm-hmm. And then once the two and a half out, once it was uploaded, and then that's when I got the message that was like. Your video is now uploaded, but we have to buffer it up to 4K. You have five hours remaining. It's like, dude, that's 11 hours to get the video from this program onto YouTube. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was a process, man. I did two of them in that day. so That's fucking bonkers, man. Yeah, I know. So when I was sending you those messages of frustration, it wasn't just like, Ben, I'm I mean, so like- <laughs> this took 45 <laughs> <Yeah>. minutes. <laughs> It took fucking eleven hours. Oh, <laughs> chaos. Yeah, it was nuts. Uh, but they're up. So, um, and in the process of putting them up, I actually fucked up the second one and didn't didn't um make it like little squares. Like yeah. we're in sep- little separate squares, but that's okay. okay. I won't fuck it up this week. It's a learning process. Give me a couple do- of more
2: weeks. You're doing a fuckload better than I would be if I was in charge of this shit, man. Like, I'll tell you that much right now.
0: (laughs) A couple more weeks, Spotify will be knocking on the door. We'll be replacing Joe Rogan. It'll be all good. You mean
2: again? Again, yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: they asked us last week, but I said we need a bit more practice.
2: Well, I mean, like, because when they reached out and they were like, oh, like, can you guys run, like, a masterclass on Joe's show and show everyone how it's done? Mm. Like, we obviously had to say no to that. We just, you know. We're not ready to give out like our, you know, our hey, secret secrets. sauce right now.
1: Mm.
0: But, yeah, and plus we respect him too much. You know, I don't want to embarrass the
2: guy. Like I, I look up to him. Yeah, he's been doing this long enough now that like, fuck, he should <laughs> fuck with <we're> <laughs> <we're> dickheads.
1: fuck with
2: dickheads. massive dickheads.
1: Presumably right.
2: though, like that would be like I the think spotters of all and loads time- know that though.
0: I feel like it makes us endearing, to be honest. Like everyone loves
2: a good dickhead. I heard a really fucking good joke today. Okay, go. How many wrinkles does a dickhead have?
1: <laughs>
2: I don't know. Shrug your eyebrows and I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes.
0: Oh, look, I have heaps. <laughs>
1: when I
0: was younger, cool. when I was younger,
2: mm. I never had those. Dude, I've had them since I was, like, fucking 18. It's fantastic.
0: I'm getting so old. I'm all
1: for it. Oh, my... My dog just came into my office. Cameo appearance. It's so frustrating. Yeah, Bundy. Bundy. Show the people what they want to see. By the
2: people, I mean me. (laughs)
0: I'm <laughs> supposed to be looking after the dogs And they're now both in my office And the door is now open You know, this is just payback for you not
1: cleaning out the coffee machine <laughs> Exactly <laughs> yeah. Bundy, Yeah, Bundy He's like, but dad, I want to be famous Bundy doesn't listen to me What?
0: Bundy doesn't listen to me <laughs> no, he no, only smart listens- ass. <laughs> he only listens to Em he literally just looks at me and says, no. Nah.
2: He's like, not today,
0: Satan. Yeah, well, I guess if you if you can hear background noise, it's just them cooking. I guess that's just gonna how we're going to roll today. I can't hear anything, man. Today's been fantastic, hasn't it? What a good start.
2: I think you were ready to like fucking throw your computer at the wall. Did you see me throw my headphones at the ground? Yeah, I, I did. I did. I'm like, oh, I'm like he's fiery tonight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is that the first time you've seen me have a tantrum?
1: I think so, yeah. Yeah. Well, funny story. I almost had an
0: incident of road rage this morning. Ooh, tell me more. Yeah, I haven't told you this yet. This was at 4 about quarter past 4 this morning. Yep. On the way to the gym.
1: Mhm.
0: I Um, so I live on a really long straight street, but about 200 meters up, so it's a long straight hill Mm -hmm. and about 200 meters up the hill from my house, it kind of dips and then goes back up the hill. So there's, there's like a 50 meter spot at the bottom of the hill where you can't see if there's any cars coming. Because yeah. they go like under the road line and then back up and over. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's like two hundred meters up the hill from my house. So it's a it's a ways away enough that if there's a car in there, I can still reverse out of my driveway and drive away very easily before they even get anywhere close to my car. Yeah. Um unless they're going just way, way, way too fast, which does happen. But I reversed out of my driveway this morning. I looked, no cars, reversed out of my driveway. And as as I'm on the road about, so I'm like all the way out of my driveway on the road about to put it into drive to start going, this car just zooms past me, zooms onto the other side of the road to go around me, to get in front of me and keep going down the street. And about three houses down is the bottom of the hill where there's a stop sign. So, like, mm. they're not zooming far. They're just three more houses, stop sign, then it's a T intersection. You've got to, like, you've got to stop anyway, right? Yeah. That pissed me off hard because I was like, mm. I didn't even see this guy until he was literally in front of me and it scared the crap out of me because I was like, holy crap, like, what was that? I thought I mm. nearly ran into him. So, then I just got on my horn and just was like, and didn't get off the horn all the way until the stop sign, Mm. which I'm sure my neighbours loved at quarter past four in the morning. I'm sure they did as well. (laughs) Thinking back, probably wasn't the smartest thing to do. (sighs) Heat of the moment, right? Yeah. And then he stopped at the stop sign. I pulled up behind him. He turned turned left, I turned left, and then you kind of go another 500 meters down this road and it comes to traffic lights. We both stopped at the traffic lights. We are both turning left. I was behind him and then he turned. the traffic light went green. He turned left. I turned left. He pulled into the left lane. I pulled into the right lane. He put his hand out the window and waved me forward. So I was like, okay, let's just have a discussion about this. Mm. Let's just have a friendly discussion about why you're a fucking idiot and nearly rammed me off the road. So I pulled up next to him, M's freaking out. I said, put your window down, because his window was down, he was hanging half out the window. And then um she was just like, no, no. I was like, put your window down, I want to talk to him. So she put her window down and he was like, You had a fucking problem, mate. And I was like, yeah, I fucking do, it's you. And like I was into him, and then I'm not I don't have the best eyesight. Hmm. So I'm like squinting, because I don't wear my glasses when I go to the gym. I'm like squinting out. I'm like, it's pitch black. Call bus one in the morning. I'm like, wait a second. I know this guy, and he's like, pull over then, pull over then. This big
1: Islander guy. And I'm like, Mark, is that you? <laughs> he's like, yeah. And I'm like, hey dude, it's Nick.
0: And he's like, oh, oh, sorry man, sorry, sorry man. sorry bro and like all good dude sorry man he's like sorry bro all good and then we just put our windows up and kept driving (laughs) (laughs) it's plastic (laughs) (laughs) I literally played football with this guy with this guy's brother from like under 12 under 12s under 13s all the way up until we were like 18 years old yeah um yeah super funny story
1: it's good times yeah
0: (laughs) It
2: could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, it could, have,
0: it, could, it could have been a lot worse. But at the same time, like, I, always, I also don't think that I was wrong um, mm. and I had no intention of getting out of the car. But also just like when people do dumb shit like that, it really fires me up because I'm like, this is where I live and there's a ton of kids in our neighbourhood. Just don't drive
1: like an idiot. Yeah, you're putting, it's not rocket you're putting, surgery. Yeah. Rocket surgery, yeah. Okay, I've <laughs> <laughs>
2: never heard that one before. Have you? Never heard that one. <laughs> well, it's like instead of saying like it's not rocket science, yeah, but it's like it's not rocket surgery. Brain surgery. Well, it's like rocket science. Brain surgery. It's it's definitely not rocket surgery. In
0: fact, I'm not even sure that's a thing. I don't think oh, anything's rocket surgery. Not even rocket surgery. They probably just call it maintenance. That's rocket surgery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when I have a liter of cold brew. That that's that, that <laughs> yeah. saying is so fucking stupid. That's because, the point. <laughs> because rocket science is really hard and done by scientists. Yep. Rocket surgery is maintenance and is just done by fucking mechanics.
2: Like like R- 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 Dude, my brother in have- law could do that. I reckon you'd have to be a little bit more than a fucking mechanic to do fucking maintenance on a rocket. A rocket mechanic. That's like
0: one step up from a heavy diesel mechanic. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> nah. I've
2: got, no. like, I've got a mate of mine. Nah, I've got a mate of mine who's like an aerospace engineer. And he's like, like, so he's a, well, he used to be like an active fighter pilot in the US Air Force. Um, and he's like, the maintenance is required on like rockets jets and all that sort of stuff he's like it's insane
0: I mean at the end of the day it's just turning bolts right
2: exactly it's like it's like it's what we did at the start it's like turn it off turn it back on again like if it doesn't fix it like fucking throw it in the bin
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's exactly what we did three times (laughs) to be exact (laughs) oh that didn't work uh let's just try turning it off and on again computer surgery
2: yeah we need computer surgery
0: (laughs) I'm a computer scientist now.
2: Definitely me. Definitely me.
0: Definitely me. How's your week been, man? How was your weekend?
2: Uh, it was good. I um, I had work on Saturday morning, had a very interesting interaction in a gym. Um, <laughs> it was fun. Uh, so pretty much, I've got a an old client who was like, can I do like, Four weeks of coaching with you just to get like some injury shit sorted. And I'm like, Yeah, like you've, you're an old client. So I'll I'll help you out for a little bit. And she was like, Oh, you know, whenever we do the stuff at your gym, like it's all well and good. But she's like, I go to my gym and all the equipment's so different that I like, I don't really know what I'm doing or anything like that. She's like, Would you come and like train me here? I'm like, Oh, I'm like, You would have to ask your gym first. And obviously, just let them know that it's not like a PT session as such. It would just be to show you the mechanics of the machines specific to your rehab stuff. Mm -hmm. So she's like, yep, I got approval. That's all good. They're happy for you to come in. Um, But like you can only pretty much come in once. So I was like, yep, that's fine. No worries. We get there. We check in, all that sort of stuff. We go upstairs. We're in the gym. We're probably, I don't
1: know, like, two-thirds through the session, and this guy comes up to me. He's like, hey, mate, um,
2: who are you? <laughs> and I'm like, hey, mate, I'm Ben. Who are you? Just like kind of being a little bit of a smart ass. Mm-hmm. And he's like, like, oh, like, you know, my name's Will. Like, I'm one of the PTs here. Um, I was just wondering, like, what you're doing. And I'm like, oh, like, I'm, I'm here with my client." Um, you know, uh we had it clear that it was fine for me to come in and just show us some stuff um like specific to the machines that you guys have here. Like it was apparently it was all cleared, it was all fine. Um and he's like, Oh, but like, is it like a PT session? I'm like, Oh I'm like, Yeah, but like no. And he goes, Oh, because, well, you know, if you're like not a PT here, you can't be doing PT sessions. I'm like, look, I understand that. Like my client had spoken to your PT manager cleared it we've been told it's okay and he goes well it, it, that shouldn't be the case because we don't allow that and then like my client arcs up and it was like no 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 no!" like i've had it cleared right right like it got it like she came in pretty hot but i was like i'm just free like it doesn't need to be an issue so then he like he's like yep no worries he comes over about two or three minutes later takes her details down it was like who did you speak to when did you speak to them what's your name like Got her phone number, email, all that sort of shit. Like you could just tell he's being a bit of a dick about it. Yeah. And then she's like, "Well, we've been cleared, so it's fine." And pretty much like turned her back on him. And I was like, <laughs> "All right." And then about five minutes after that, we had, um, like the PT team leader walk over to us. And she's like, "Hey guys, how are we today?" I'm like, "Yep." Yeah. I'm like, "We're really good, thanks." How are you? She's like, "I'm just like obviously like I've been kind of like." told like that you guys are like doing a PT session but you're not a PT here um I'm just wanting to like get some clarification on you know what's going on here because we don't allow outside PTs to do PTs here so, look, I said look I completely understand that like you know I've been in the industry long enough that I understand that you guys have your own PTs and to have someone externally coming in it would be like a conflict for you guys and I'm like I understand that it's not what this is for I said, look, I do a bit of online work with my client here. Um, and for like part of her rehab stuff, like we're just going through specific to the machines that you have here for the outcomes that we need. I'm like, this isn't a personal training session. And I kind of like told a bit of a white line, I'm like it's not a paid session. We're just going through some stuff together so that she can get like out of pain. And she's like, oh, that's, that's. she's like, that's fine. Um, she's like, you know, we we allow allied health to come in and do like a free session with a client if their clients train here. I'm like, amazing, like that's fantastic. And she's like, So what sort of allied health are you? And I'm like, I'm like, oh I'm like, do I kind of lie or do I just like tell the truth a bit? So I was like, I'm gonna do a bit of both. So I said, I'm like, look, I am um, you know, I, I specialize in like post rehab strength and conditioning, um, but I'm also like a massage therapist, which isn't a lie but just kind of like made it sound a bit fancy. She's like, oh, that's fantastic. Like, you know, whereabouts are you based? How long have you been doing it for? Got chatting to her, like just pretty much like buttered her up. And then my client like starts like chiming in. I'm like, I'm like shut the fuck up. Like it's fine. <laughs> and then like, I look back to the, the team that I'm like, you know, thank you so much for having us today. Like I like, uh, you know, I apologize for the miscommunication a little bit earlier on. Um, like obviously like, this was like a one-off. So like, you won't see me again, but like, I, I appreciate you like having me and like being really understanding about this whole situation. Rah, rah, rah. And then like went up to the original PT that came over and spoke to us. I was like, hey, mate, like, you know, apologies for the misunderstanding a little bit earlier today. Um, but, you know, I appreciate your patience having us in here. Shook hand, walked out and we're walking in my clients are like, oh, they were so rude. I'm like, no, I'm like, like, they're just doing their job. So that was. Yeah, that is interesting.
0: Good on that guy for coming up and talking to you. That was a PT.
1: Yeah, fucking no. Because
0: that's like obviously that's something that happens a lot. In, well, it was like it was like a full health, health club.
2: Yeah, it's like a full it was like big one of those like big community gyms that has like the pool, the daycare, yeah. like the whole fucking like the basketball court. Like it was a it was like a rec center sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it happens so much in big box gyms and being someone that's managed them for a long long time. Yeah. One of the things that I hated the most was when PTs would come into my office and be like Oh, there's this guy out on the gym floor training someone. I'm like, well, tell him to stop. Mm. Like, it's, it's your gym. You're yeah. a, you're the PT. Like that's your space. You do need me to come and tell people to stop doing that. Like you you could just go up and just be like, hey man, what, like what are you up to? Like I'm a PT here. I pay to use this space. You know, I don't really appreciate you just doing it for free when you're you're not you don't actually work here. Yeah, like, you can't do that. <laughs> But they were always like, "Oh no, I don't want to." So I had to go do it. So it's cool that he actually did. Oh, that's kind of it's kind of cool.
2: Yeah, and like my thing is like I that was the one thing I was like, so because my side to the client, I was like, "Just yeah, I'm like you need to make sure that it's okay for me to come in because mm. I'm like I don't want to step on any toes." Like the, as well as I was kind of looking going, I feel like they're gonna say no. And when she was like, don't oh, know, they're fine with it," I'm like, "Okay." Um <laughs> Yeah, because it is,
0: yeah, that's that's pretty rare that you would even be allowed to do
2: that. That's cool that you got to do it though. Well, I think she may have lied, like, but, <laughs> like just, just quietly. Because like when I got there, she's like, Oh she's like, yeah, this this is my friend. I'm like, hmm, not really, but like, all right.
1: <laughs> but yeah, oh uh, so
2: yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, so that was a bit interesting. Uh, and then I went to the gym and trained after that. Had like a pretty good session. Um, I have the most horrendous DOMS from that session, though. Holy shit! Yeah, still. Yeah, like work, do- like I woke up this morning. I'm like, my abs. I'm like, I can't like actually like sit up out of bed. I had to like roll into my side and like push myself up. What did you do with your abs in that session? So they, it's like a, they're kind of like a leg race. But the whole idea is like oh, you yeah, lie on the ground, you hold onto the pole, you bring the legs up towards the pole, hips off the ground. Yeah, and the then you can try, try and get like the line from your feet to your shoulders in as straight a line as you can. And then do like a full lever on the way down. Yeah. And, like, I haven't done those in years and I thought they were a lot better than what they actually looked like. But I mean, that's obviously one of the, one of the fun <laughs> parts about relearning a movement and why you film shit. Yeah. Um, they're hard. And then like yesterday I woke up like, and yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm pretty sore. Like went on a massive walk yesterday around a lake. Um, and then, like, I woke up this morning. Like, I got home last, night and I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a little bit tender." And I woke up this morning, I'm like, "Oh fuck, really tender, really fucking tender." And, like, my glutes and adductors. I'm just like, "My god, I haven't been this sore in a long time, unless I've like
0: hurt myself." <laughs> yeah, but like, not like a, a good sore, like a DOM sore, not an injury yeah. sore. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to um, do you want to take a moment to vent about your bench today?
2: Oh, man. Like, yeah, i do <laughs> So Do it. Do it. Like, I was warming up and I was... You know how those days when you're like, yep, yeah, like, I'm not quite feeling it. So you kind of really go with the expectation. And then, like, you kind of... You spend a bit of extra time, like, making sure that you've ticked all your boxes. And then you'd, like... You're like, oh, I've, I've got a heavy set today. So I'll be sensible and I'll actually set my face sabers to, like, the correct height. Which... Like for me, like obviously, like my range of motion is not huge on my bench. But if I set them properly, it's like any, like if I lose position, like I can clip them really easy. And that's what fucking happened to me today. Yeah. So like I, I've unracked my tops and I was just like, oh, I'm like, I did my first rep. And as soon as I did that first rep, I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, daddy's fucking home. <laughs> and I, I was, I was so ready. I did like my first rep, came off the chest so easily. I need my second rep. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna fucking shit this in, and then as I've come down on that third rep, just gone like dunk, and like, it just kicks me off. I'm like, I'm not gonna try and fight that, recover it, and try and get it back up and recover. I'm like, fuck it, I'll just, I'll come back down to the face saves because I've got them set for a reason. Um, you know, put the bar back up to where it needs to be. Sort of, I was like, all right, I'll give myself a couple of minutes to sort of like collect myself, shake that shit off, and then I'll lower the face down to the height they're usually on, which is probably not the most useful height. (laughs) Um, And then I'll just, you know, I'll go and I'll see if I can find that same groove. And like, to be fair, like the the second set still didn't move bad, but like rep three was like, you do not have another rep here. Yeah, that was the end
0: of the set for sure.
2: Yeah, but again, like looking at it, Again, like sort of zooming out a little bit, you know, I'm like, well, my objective was four reps and I end up with five. So I'm like, you know, it's not the end of the world. It just wasn't all in the one set. Like I kind of wanted it to be, but I, I think I had the strength for it. I think I just was a little bit taxed after that first first round.
0: I think that was probably just like an RPE seven with a misgroove, to be honest. At least. I'd probably go about a 6.5 with a misgroove. Like I definitely think you probably could have hit that for ten, like if really if you just really wanted to, but you just didn't feel like it today. If I had a slingshot on, easily. No, I just reckon without it. Like I reckon you probably could have done it last and press, but it was just that faceover that that stuffed the whole thing up, man.
2: Yeah, that that little bit of a misgroove, like just killed. Otherwise,
0: it. otherwise it wouldn't have <laughs> it wouldn't have even been a challenge. Oh, I hate you
2: sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> But the rest of my session went well. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, cause I'm kind of like, this is my final week of the block anyway. So I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Like,
1: you know.
2: I'm just going to have a bit of fun. Some things mm-hmm. I'm going to deload. Some things I'll not deload. I was like, I'm not in the mood to do any dumbbell pressing today. So I was like, fuck those can, going can eat a dick. Yep. I did some pull-ups. They felt pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like, a set of like an AMRAP set and then a set of lean-away pull-ups, which mm-hmm. I fucking love. Yeah. Um, and then I went over to the like the plate-loaded Prime that pulled air machine
0: mm-hmm.
2: and loaded that up, which was a bit of fun. Yeah, that's a beautiful machine. Um, and then just like went and did some arms and shit and I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a good day that's in the office.
1: Day. Yeah, But it
2: was funny, like after I uploaded the video of – the lap pull downs. I had like three people message me, like, dude, like, you're looking like chonky, but in a good way. I'm like, thank you. Yeah, you are looking super thick. Like, as I was saying to you earlier today, though, like, I think, because I mean, like, it's been what six weeks ish now. So maybe like five or six weeks that I've been out of the landscaping job. Mm-hmm. I think actually just sort of like getting to a point where it's like, yeah, like, I don't have that huge amount of stress going through my body on a daily basis. You know, I was clocking up sort of twelve to twenty thousand steps pretty much every single day religiously. Yep. Like even without taking Matt for a walk. because like I'd get home from work it's like, oh, I'm I'm on eighteen thousand steps for today. Um you know, to like now being like, oh, you know, sort of like eight to ten thousand is like a pretty sweet spot for me. Like I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Yep. You know, obviously being able to focus on sort of other things that are a little bit more in line with you know the things that I I value and I think my body's just gone yeah we 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 can fuck with this and I just feel like I've like it was weird like even when I put my belt on on Saturday for my for my front squats and even when I put my belt on today for my bench I'm like where it usually sits feels a bit tight but I <laughs> I don't think I, like, I don't feel like I've put weight on. I just literally feel like my body has just gone. Yep. Like that photo that I sent you yesterday from the walk that I had in the park. The nude one. What other one did I send? <laughs> <laughs> but like that, like that shot from the back, it's like, my back looks really fucking wide. Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, not dude you
0: look at it wide and thick, that's for sure. And I like It'd it. Definitely be questioning your natty status,
2: that's for sure. But, but that's the funny thing is like I had some like so when I put up the lat pull down video today, literally someone was like, In the last two weeks, you just look like you have like doubled in size. They're like, like I hate to be that person <laughs> but have you finally decided to come over to the dark side? I'm like, no. No, I have not.
1: I haven't. Not I'm yet. Just a, just a thick, thick boy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but it,
2: it's also one of the things where I sit and I go. When I eventually do start taking some, go go juices, people put it. I'm like, how ridiculous is it going to get?
0: Oh, I think you're going to be surprised. I think it'll get pretty ridiculous. I hope so. Yeah, and imagine if you were just if I like can imagine if you're a really good responder as mm. well, which um, I
2: feel like I will be.
0: Cuz it does it does kind of work. It works the same for everyone, but it works mm. on varying kind of degrees um based yeah. on you know receptors and and you know how well you respond to just just like training really, you know what I mean? Um to really dumb it down. Um you know, you and I could train and recover the exact same way um, for ten years and end up with completely different levels of musculature, just yep. based on you know how we respond to the stimulus. And to really dumb it down, it, it kind of does work in a similar fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're like, if you're a decent
2: responder, dude, it's going to be freaking insane. But like that, it also makes me sit and go. Because, like, I'm sitting at, like, 98-ish now. And I'm, like, if I'm 98, and, like, I wouldn't say that I'm, like, I wouldn't say I'm fat by any stretch of the imagination. Like, yeah, sure. Like, I'm holding probably a little bit more body fat than I need to be. Like, I could probably diet off, like,
1: 9, 10 kilos pretty comfortably um, without, like, losing too much muscle. Hmm. And I would probably look pretty, pretty fucking good at
0: that, at that size and weight. Yeah. But imagine this you at the, like a very similar body composition to what you are at right now, mm. but at like 115. Yeah. But I, this is, this is the other thing. I don't know if I want to get that heavy, man. I'll tell you what, life outside the gym will be less enjoyable.
2: Yeah. But life like,
0: inside the gym,
2: Will be it'll fucking be delicious. Mind flowingly good. Yeah, I'll just have to like <laughs> live in the gym and like, yeah, I'll sleep in the corner, I'll have sex in the bathrooms, like it'll be fine. Oh, dude,
0: <laughs> let me tell you from experience, sex at that size is
2: gonna suck. Well, that's the thing is like, with it's not, I it's not, it's, <laughs> it's not all that's cracked up to be man. I don't imagine so, but like, I don't, like, I just don't think I'd want to get up to like. 110 115 like for me i'm like unless i was actively gonna be like hey look my goal is to really push competition again i just don't think i've got any desire to be like i want to be like 110 if i was if i could be like 92 but like fucking like or the
0: other option would be and it would it would also be like a very real possibility would be Mm. to stay at around that like in between ninety five to a hundred kilo mark, but be, you know, like eight to ten percent body fat year round.
2: Yeah, which is probably more so where I think I would want to be. Because that's a that's a big boy at your height. Fucking I
0: think and eight s- to ten is like that's pretty freaking lean. lean man. But you could maintain that year round. Yeah. Um with support and it not
2: be a detriment at all. Look, again, like, I think the stance that I've kind of always had on it, I think I will always continue to have on it, is one, like there's a, there's a few points I've kind of got. Number one is I'm like, I still don't think I'm strong enough to justify drugs, which I think is a hill I will always die on. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I think a lot of people jump on gear way too quickly. Oh, 100% they do. Absolutely. The other point is like, what are my blood showing? Like if my natural test isn't dropping, I don't really see the need for me to continue Well, to, to try and like pursue other avenues. Like I think I would look at it purely from a perspective of TRT, of going, hey, look, I've got a, a steady decline of my testosterone over the last 12, 18 months. Um, you know, like and actually go to a doctor and be like, hey, look, you know, here are, Test results that, like that, show the decline. Like this is the rate that I'm looking at, and actually look at getting proper TRT, not some you know fucking backyard shit off some dipshit in the bathrooms, bathtub job. Yep. Hmm. So I think yeah. like that's, yeah. that. I think that's my kind of like barrier to entry at the moment. Is I'm like one, like I'm still getting stronger. Two, my test levels aren't decreasing. Like they, if anything, like. The last two times that I've had my bloods done, my test levels have had a very, albeit small, but like still a gradual increase. So I'm like, why would I interfere?
0: Yeah, of course. I don't, I don't think it's necessary for you at this point at all, but I do think no. at some point it will be. Oh, 100%. Um, not necessary, um, but I think it, at some point
2: it would become I, um, I st- a, I still... a huge benefit. Well, so this is this is an area that I... I'm actually like quite because obviously you know that like I'm you know a pretty big advocate when it comes to like say men's mental health and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. There's like what I would be really curious about is if you took say you know, a thousand men between the ages of say like 25 and 40 mm-hmm. who pretty much are all sitting there going, "Hey, look, I'm depressed. I have you know suicidal tendencies. Whatever it is,
1: mm-hmm.
2: to be able to take them like, hey, we're going to give you a little bit. Of, we're essentially, going to give you a TRT dose." Mm-hmm. and see if that makes any difference to their overall well-being. Because everyone that I know that has just started on like base level TRT, they always say, I just feel so much better. And I wonder yeah, if that uh, would have
1: the impacts on overall mortality on men in those age ranges where it's like, cool, you know, it's
2: an option.
0: Yeah. It's this a super interesting topic. It's something that I've thought about quite a bit as well is because like you know i don't know the exact statistics but that age group you know the age group that we're in is you know it's a it's a bad age group for men's suicide um you know we have really high rates of suicide at this age and and i've always kind of wondered this is the age group where our our natural testosterone does start to to dwindle and all of the things that come along with the lowering of testosterone, the sleep, the, like the bad sleep, the anxiety, the depression, the sore joints, the uh, irritability, the low sex drive, all of the stuff. Um, yeah. Those are also all huge contributing factors to, Men going through midlife crises, Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, revamp their life because they feel like they're in this rut. And I'm just wondering I've always wondered if we can maybe look at maybe TRT and bringing those levels back up to what they were when we were 18 to 20, would that have an impact on the numbers?
2: Well, it's like if you look at the average testosterone levels of men. In this day and age versus what they were 30 years ago, it is ghastly to see the difference. Like, it's quite a stark difference. Yeah. But I mean, like, again, we could go down like a massive conspiracy rabbit hole as to why they are actively trying to push overall testosterone levels down. And like, there's obviously, you know, there's explanations if you want to go down that avenue. But,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, I just look at it from, like not even from like that perspective, just looking at it purely from like a, like are we trying to actually help men or are we just trying to continue to let men suffer?
0: Yeah. And I just don't really understand to be honest, why it's why testosterone has such a bad rap.
2: Like, because it's,
0: it's like anything, right? Like anything good in excess becomes bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know from anecdotal, Experience and, and evidence that a little bit, enough, is good can make mm-hmm. you feel really good, can improve performance, can improve um, your everyday life in so many different ways. And then there is a point where it it's uh, diminishing returns, and then there's another point where you the the negatives actually quite severely outweigh any positives. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It's like, yeah, everything good has a point where it becomes bad. You've taken off penadols, you're going to die.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. But penadol in in the right dose is fantastic. You know, like women don't have an issue when they're going through menopause going and getting medication, hormonal Mm -hmm. support. This like drop in testosterone is exactly the same thing just for men. And the thing that we, could utilize that would really help is just demonized because it's used in sport to make athletes better. And I think that's honestly the only reason
2: why. I think that obviously brings like a big stigma to it, but I think as well, when you look at the the relative levels that you need to be at to be prescribed TRT from your GP. That's like, disgusting, dude. I have a client of mine who's like, he's in his fifties. You know, we've been training together for a couple of years now. Like I think we started working together in like 2018 or something like that. And we literally, we have bloods that are pretty much done biannually for the last couple of years. And it shows just a steady decrease. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, go to your fucking doctor and be like, cool. I have six years of bloods that show that pretty much every single time I get my bloods, there is a steady decline. Now, obviously a guy in his fifties, you would expect that. Mm Mm-hmm. But like, you know, he works a very high stress job, you know, very high end corporate. And he's like, dude, he goes, I don't care about like getting big and strong in the gym. He's like, I just don't want to feel like a bag of shit 24 fucking seven. And yeah, like, just
0: we, we, be fatigued the
2: moment you wake up. Yeah. Like we've done as much as we can, like well, as much as I can within my script to kind of go, let's try these things here. That may help. I've also now gone got into a point where i'm like cool go and see this guy here that i know who specializes in like optimizing like you know biochemistry and all that sort of stuff and he that's what his area of specialty and expertise
1: mm-hmm.
2: but it's like he should be able to go to his doctor and be like hey like i'm in my 50s my testosterone is declining i would like a prescription but the mm-hmm. doctors are still like you still don't meet the requirements of how low it needs to be for me to be able to write it yeah that's like the requirements of re- ridiculously low. That's that's the fucking stupid yeah. thing. Is like we should. And but again, this is where like I could go on a massive fucking spiel about healthcare here in Australia. Like yeah. on one hand, it's fucking fantastic, but it's all reactive. There's no. Pre, it's not preventative healthcare. Like no, if I we were genuinely,
0: really there's. I don't really think there's any situation that it's fucking
2: fantastic. To be honest, well, I mean, like obviously, for the part, like if you compare our healthcare system, to say America, like it's a lot fucking better. But, mm, I would I would argue against that.
0: Would you? Yeah, in having what way? lived there for t- having lived there for ten years,
1: mm.
0: what? Um, would, why would you argue? It, it depends. Just it curious. depends. Yeah, it depends. Um, I guess the situation that you're in as to like what your perception of if it's better or not. Mm. If you don't have private health care in America, you're pretty fucked. Yeah. But in saying that. Pretty much every like company that you work for as part of your employment package will provide healthcare. Okay. Healthcare benefits. So if you're gainfully employed, there's a ninety nine percent chance that you have healthcare provided through your employer. If you you then also have the option to purchase private healthcare, which everyone over thirty in Australia has to do anyway, otherwise you get Taxed, taxed out the ass for not having it. So it's not any cheaper here than it is there once you hit 30 because you have to have it in both. Mm. Um, and if you have private healthcare in the states, you don't pay shit. It's literally just like being here. Okay. It's just that like the because the healthcare is private for the most part over there. Um the they they just build the healthcare companies and it just goes directly to the to the healthcare provider but if you don't have healthcare yeah like the prices are insane but it would be mm. the same here if medicare didn't cover it the yeah. only people that are like oh healthcare here is so good are the people that rely on medicare and i mean i i lived in the states for 10 years i had two acl tears when i lived there i didn't pay for a shit because i had private healthcare it was fine i got in literally like I was in hospital for a week for, for stuff. Like, I didn't pay for anything. It's fine. Well, there you go. You learn something new.
1: <laughs> but if you don't have private healthcare... Yeah. Bad time. Yeah. But, yeah, so, like, my thing is, like, I would just look at healthcare here in Australia and go, it's not healthcare, it's sick care. It is. Yeah. Unfortunately. Mm.
0: Unfortunately, well, I think I'm going to join you in the Dom's Club. It's kicking in, is it? Ooh, it's been kicking in like slowly all day. Hmm. Um, It's kicking in pretty hard right now since I've been sitting down for about an hour.
2: Nice. Um, I think she's going to be a nasty one. I'm hoping that tomorrow is just a little bit less shit for me, uh, but like... The weird thing for me, is it's like right in my like upper abs, yeah. Which I've not had DOMS there in years, and mm. it's to the point where I'm like, I I almost forgotten like how to navigate when you're that sore up so high. Like it's almost like the bottom of my ribs feel bruised.
0: Yeah, and I'm like, I know I'm the like, feeling,
2: bro. This is not a good time.
0: <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, man. I had the the. One of the best training sessions this morning that I have had in a really long time. Talk to me. Just from a fun perspective.
1: Because you joined um, a new
2: gym, didn't you?
0: Yeah, we joined a new gym on the weekend um, just to train out of Yeah, um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, One of the reasons was we wanted to spend more time in Newcastle as opposed to like Maitland industrial area. Um, we've been going into Newcastle on the weekends and swimming on Sunday mornings nice and early in the bars and then getting bacon and egg rolls afterwards. Beautiful. And we kind of, when we moved here from port, that was something that we said that we would do as much as we possibly could. Mm-hmm. And just over the years, we just kind of stopped um, as things got busy. And we we really made an effort this year to start doing it again and we're having a lot of fun doing it. So um, we thought if we join a, a gym that's kind of in that direction, that will get us going in that direction more and help facilitate like more visits out that way, which we really want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's next door to a really nice coffee shop that we like. Um, so that kind of works well with our early morning training sessions a couple of times a week. We're going to finish our session, walk next door, sit down, get a nice coffee, have you know half an hour just to chat with with no phones and, and stuff and just use that as like a really nice way to start the day. Beautiful. Um, and they have like a nice outdoor area too, so we're planning on sitting outside while we can while the weather permits. Uh, the other reason was we wanted to train away from where we work a little bit Mm -hmm. just so that we can kind of separate the two. Um, I've always found that being someone that's worked in a gym since I was 18 years old, it can be really hard to train where you work, especially full-time because I'm a friendly person and because Em's quite friendly as well is, it's it's just really easy to walk into the gym, see all, all of the people that are there, start talking. and You, you don't want to just leave your headphones on and put your head down and, and go into like training mode because obviously you work there. So you kind of go into work mode um, mm. and it just makes it hard to switch in between training mode and work mode, training mode and work mode. Um, yeah. I, I really do like to separate the two. Um, And the other reason, the third reason was I wanted to start using some machines. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I talked to you a little bit about this yesterday. I've actually taken all SBD out of my programming for a little bit. Mm -hmm. I talked to a couple of people about it. You were one of them. And Josh was another one. Mm -hmm. Um, Josh from Nexus. He's recently done the, that as well. Yep. And so I kind of reached out to him just to get his viewpoint on it um, and kind of like air out my thought process and see what his thoughts were. And both of you guys were like, Yeah, I think it's, I think you definitely
2: should do it. Just pull the trigger and get it done. Yeah. So that's wanna, what I did. Do you want to maybe run like just so the people that are listening? who may be in a position where they're kind of thinking, oh, well, is there potential for me to need to do that? Do you want to kind of run through your reasons as to why and what you're hoping to get out of it?
0: Yeah, for sure. So um, so obviously with the the knee issue that I'm carrying at the moment, um, it's it's starting to get really good. I've put a heavy focus recently on rehab. Uh, and just kind of like learning to move better, I've also been carrying a shoulder injury for the better part of a year and a half now um to where for literally the entirety of last year, I couldn't put my arm above my head or behind my back <laughs> um and i'm i'm part i'm I'm able to do both of those things now, but it it still isn't a hundred percent so what I want to do now is take sbd out all altogether and really lean into the lean into the principles that I guess I preach so often of periodizing your training and not having to be hyper specific with comp lifts year round to still get really strong. I want to use the machines to sh- to start to move better, to provide a little bit of external stability while I really push some hypertrophy Mm -hmm. um, and and really push some different ranges that I'm not really comfortable in doing so without the support of the machines at the moment. Yep. And I just want to get back to just I want to push everything hard and I want to focus on hypertrophy. I want to focus on moving better, really lean into just getting bigger and stronger and faster as an athlete and as a human, so that then when it is time to peak again, I'll be in a better position to do so. Nice. And I, I really think that, you know, and I, I have uh, a conversation with Josh coming out tonight, so it'll be out before everyone hears this, and then another one coming out next week that, that literally says this, but I really think majority of powerlifters lean way too hard into doing hyper-specific comp beliefs year-round. Mm. And I'm not sure if that's because they're scared to go away from it because they think if they go away from it, they're going to get worse at it, or if they're worried about you know public perception of moving away from it, or if they're just unaware of the benefits of doing so, or maybe a mixture of all three. From my
2: experience, I would probably say it's probably a mixture of all three. But also, that, you know, potentially even some of the newer powerlifters, all the guys have been doing it for like 15 years and that's all they know, with having so much of their identity wrapped up in, oh, my name is whatever it is, I'm a powerlifter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And like you and I had this conversation and, and I even kind of felt the same way. And I know better. Um, but what I think is important to distinguish is, you can be a power lifter without doing two squats and two deadlifts and three bench presses every week like that it's not like you can still be a power lifter and periodize your training to work on other qualities when you're when you're not in a competition prep or you don't have a competition on the horizon
2: and in fact, I think you should do that to be honest though, I think it just boils down to a massive scarcity mindset for a lot of athletes like even if I reflect back on the rehab for my back and with me running really heavy good mornings Mm -hmm. in place of a deadlift. Mm -hmm. I was like, cool, like this is a movement that I can work through. Literally, I start to reintegrate deadlifts. Not only do I go, hmm, I've just put seven and a half kilos on an 8RM. I also get more hamstring engagement than I have pretty much ever. Mm -hmm. And quite often when I'm like, in a mirror, sitting down training upper body and I take a cheeky photo, it's like, cool, my hamstrings are just like, pow. Yeah, yeah, they're But never really noticed that until recently after I was like, cool, I'm going to do some heavy hinge work. And yeah. I think sort of coming back to your point of training a little bit more variability, I feel like that is a massive, massive, massive gap for a lot of people to explore. Yeah, so it makes, can- it makes me really happy that you are taking the time to go, I'm going to go off and do this because yeah. I think it'll pay dividends for you.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. And like I want to build more muscle. I want to get a bit bigger and that's going to lend itself well to to utilizing that new tissue when, when it comes back to a, a you know really heavy strength-focused program. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it, man. And today's session was really good. My biggest focus this morning was um movement quality mm-hmm. and output on every single set what so, was your
2: session like this morning in terms of like what movements did you run through so
0: i did a kettlebell i literally went in i did 10 minutes on the air bike mm-hmm. to just get things moving and, and warm up which i thoroughly enjoyed doing to start my session i also think a big part of warm ups should just be getting warm like it's literally in the name like (laughs) warm up get warm like it helps believe it or not Um, and then I I felt pretty good so I went straight into kettlebell loaded hip airplanes with the sprinter pose every rep Mm -hmm. Um, so I did just two sets of those and then I went I did one little like warm up set of body weight walking lunges again with a sprinter pose in between every single step which was super juicy but i just did body weight for the, i did like 10 reps mm-hmm. and then i did one set of with the 20 kilo dumbbells walking lunges and then i did one set with the 16 kilo dumbbells walking lunges I did a set of 12 and then a set of 15 per leg. Went over to the hip press machine. Nice. Yep. Loaded four four plates per side, so eight plates total. Mm -hmm. Did a set
1: of 12. Took two plates off. Did a set of 17. That was insanely fun. Mm -hmm. And juicy as, like, my quads were just,
0: like so full. I had veins all the way up my calves into my quads, which I was like, this is super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, straight from that, I did a set of dumbbell RDLs. I did seven reps with 80 kilos in each hand. And then I did a set of 12 with 60 kilos in each hand. And then I did a set of li- – I limped up the stairs – Emphasize limped because by this stage I was completely cooked.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I did a set of lying hamstring curls, a set of 15, and then I did another set of lying hamstring curls, 20 reps. And then I did a set of weighted 90 degree hip extensions. And then I did a set of body weight 90 degree hip extensions. Nice. That was it. 12 sets total,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not including the hip airplanes. Yep. And literally, my focus was every single set, one to zero RIR, but movement quality in everything. I wasn't sacrificing movement quality to get any extra reps. And 12 sets was all I needed. I was completely fried. like My legs were proper shaking, and I was drenched in sweat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm just going to have to sit on this bench for 10 minutes before we get in the car because I'm just not even sure that I can walk there. Yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. It was just a really fun session and I enjoyed it a lot.
1: So,
2: nice. I look forward to seeing how how you go in this little block over the next couple of weeks and sort of see if that, as much as I hate the term, like if the motivation – is still as high as it is in like three, four or five weeks' time. Fuck, we've had some technical difficulties today, but we'll get
1: through
0: <laughs> it. Tomorrow's going to be fun for me putting all this together. Well, um, I apologise to everyone who's listening. This has been painful. It is what it is, man.
1: Yeah,
0: it's all good. I'm trying not to get frustrated. Woosa. It's testing me, that's for sure. Oh, I fucking know it is. (laughs) (laughs) Can you see the color of my face changing?
1: Yes. Oh, good. Um,
0: Yeah, so I do think it's super important to to really periodize your training and work on different qualities throughout the year so that you Mm -hmm. don't kind (sighs) of... run into issues along the way that could have been avoided.
1: Yeah,
2: and I think that's obviously something that we would probably both see quite frequently with a lot of powerlifters who get stuck in the mindset of going it's one prep after another one prep after another one prep after another
1: and which is why like I heavily encourage clients like cool like let's pick like two comps a year. Mhm. Like
2: you don't really need to do much more than that. Like it doesn't take away from, you know, being able to train and get stronger and have all those positive influences sort of come in through training. But I think a lot of people place a lot more of an emphasis on, as you said a little bit earlier, like the specificity around competition prep. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like and again, like I think, you know, depending on how – advanced or how like how much of a beginner the client is will kind of dictate the exposure level but the good thing about a client that's probably pretty new to it is they're not going to be lifting that much weight where they should be having to really navigate a ton of fatigue no like again you look at um like Jesus Oliveira and his training leading at sheffield like he would have needed a lot of recovery from like his heavy squats and his heavy bench and his heavy deads and figuring out how to do that but again like you know arguably one of the best in the world mm-hmm. um very different to fucking old Jimmy from down the street who is 2 years into training has decided to try powerlifting and can squat you know 160 kilos at 85 kilos body weight like it's like yeah it's it's relatively heavy for him but In the grand scheme of things, like the global fatigue that he's going to have to deal with as a result of that squat, it's not the same. Not even close.
0: So you mentioned Jesus. Do you want to do you want to just jump straight in and go through Sheffield?
2: I mean, we can. I feel like, I mean, like it's funny. Like I obviously put that in as a topic I would like to talk about after Sheffield, but I think obviously with the time difference, like not actually being able to watch it was a bit of a pain in the ass. Yeah, but like we can just talk about some highlights like I think my my point like, i'm I'm disappointed that he didn't have the comp that he was expected to have, like which yeah, obviously mean. I think is the the nature of powerlifting in that you know you can have a great prep and it can all fall apart on the day, and similarly, you can also have a terrible prep, and it somehow comes together beautifully on the day and sometimes it just doesn't fucking make sense mm-hmm. um but I think what he was expecting to do on the day. Would have, I mean, obviously, as we've spoken about, like it would have been a, a first in powerlifting history, like would have been an all time total world record for someone who's drug free and in sleeves.
1: Like, mm-hmm.
2: I don't know why I did that fucking like <laughs> when you like compare it to, say, someone like Andre Milanichev that you know at big dogs and he squatted what like 480, benched 255, 260, and pulled 400. Like, to be fair, big dogs was a few years ago now, but
1: mm-hmm.
2: I always look and I go, if you've got guys that aren't restricted with the drugs that they can use, they've got knee wraps and all that sort of stuff, how are they not so much further in front of guys in sleeves? Like that's just always a, a thing I've always been like really fascinated with. Also, like this is by no means me going, I don't think that he is drug free. Like I think if if that's the Fed he's competing and until a blood test or a urine test or any sort of drug test suggests otherwise, you know, he kind of has that, that status, but I'm like, it always fascinates me watching those guys. I'm like, oh, cool. You compete in sleeves and you're out squatting the guys that are that are squatting in raps. Yeah. It's crazy. You compete in a tested fed and you're out totaling guys that don't have to worry about drugs. And I think coming back to the point that he's just a fucking freak of an athlete, um, but I think my thing is I was just really, I was disappointed to wake up on Sunday and be like, oh, he didn't even place, like that. Yeah, like, I know. And, and I was I having could this. Only imagine, sorry, go on.
0: No, go finish yourself. I was
2: gonna say, like, I was just like, I couldn't, like, I was like, me waking up and going, oh, well, that was a bit disappointing. Like, I could only imagine how shattered he must fucking feel as well, given the work that he put into his prep.
0: Of course, yeah, and I was having this conversation with someone uh, only yesterday. And I said, you know, I think he he underperformed, which is crazy to say that about someone who totaled, you know, eleven hundred.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's like I totaled eleven hundred on a bad day.
0: On a bad day, but you know, the the guy that I was talking to about it was like, no, I don't think he underperformed. You know, he totaled eleven hundred, and you know, he he missed a couple of lifts. I think he went five five for nine or something like that. Um, but he had a great prep and, you know, he did this and it just didn't go to plan on that. I was like, well, that's, that exactly is what underperforming is. So, you know, what you just described is him underperforming, like, albeit a ridiculously high total. It's, it's not, you know, what he was capable of on the day or, you know, what, Mm -hmm. what we think and what he think he was capable of on the day, which is wild to say. Um, but to be honest, man, I hope that this just lights a bit of a fire under him and, he comes back next time and just does something even more wild because some of those lifts that he did, that he posted during his prep, man, they were like, they were some big numbers and they they almost looked
2: effortless. But, I mean, like this is always the aspect of competition that I find really interesting is when you're in training and you're in your your home gym, home turf, you don't have the same pressure that you do, like leading to it. Because I mean. For example, if you look at the highest payout for that comp, Mm. it was for that, the female Polish girl that won. She got a 40,000 British pound payout for that, which is fucking insane. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, if we're thinking sport at a global level, it's not that much, but for powerlifting, that is so much money. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot for powerlifting. Like, that essentially could be like, hey, well, there's, you know, there's a year salary for you to now go and prep for Sheffield next year to go and win next year. Mm-hmm. Like there's seventy grand, you don't have to work this year. Just go train full time, be an ad- be an athlete. Yeah, like and I think yeah, that's the really exciting wild. part. Yeah, like the exciting part as like as far as powerlifting goes on a global scale, it's like cool. There is now an option that she could turn around and go, "Hey, I am a professional powerlifter."
1: Yeah, yeah, and I so think I think that's
2: pretty exciting.
0: Think of the progress that could be made in a sport like this, where fatigue management is such a big part of the sport. Whereas, mm. if all you have to worry about is powerlifting, you could, you could be leaps and bounds ahead of your competitors and you could, yeah. we could start seeing some really, really crazy shit if we, if we could get some full time powerlifters.
2: Poor man. Well, I mean, like, look at some of the performances from some of the females over the weekend. Like, we had, you know, one of the girls in the 84-plus category who scored a 300.5 in sleeves. That that was
0: my that was my biggest highlight of the entire thing. I'm like,
2: that's because, th- again, this is the thing. You have guys that compete untested in wraps at, like, 110, 125 that still can't score 300. Mm-hmm. And you have a female in sleeves at a tested competition squatting over 300 kilos. Like, that is fucking impressive as all fuck. I still think what's probably the most impressive lift for me on that day was, again, the the Polish girl that benched 154 in the 69 kilo class. (laughs) 69. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's it's (laughs) nice. But, like, that is a fucking big bench. It's ridiculous. Like she almost benches what you do and what I do, and she's like, i mean fucking a lot lighter than we are <laughs> i
0: know i know i s that's that thats thats super impressive and i was you sent that to me, and I was like, Oh man, this is starting to get pretty wild but yeah i I still stand by it the The thing that impressed me most was the three hundred kilo female sleeved squat mm. just because. I know what 300 kilos feels like to squat, and it is damn heavy. Mm -hmm. And I am 140 kilos, untested, in wraps. Yeah. And it is heavy as shit. Yeah. And so for a much lighter tested female in sleeves to do that, like like I, I can appreciate how heavy that must feel
2: because I know how heavy it feels for me and I'm just like, oh, that is just so impressive. I think the thing that makes me really excited after seeing something like that though is I look back a couple of, I mean, this is going back to 2015, 2016 was kind of like the first time that we started seeing guys squatting 400. And then it's like the moment the one guy did it, it was just like fucking the floodgates opened up and then everyone fucking started doing it. I'm just kind of hoping that the same sort of thing happens where it's like, oh, look, we've had one, you know, like super heavyweight, which again, like you look at 84 plus, it's like, well, whatever. But to be able to sit there and go, okay, cool. Well, we've now had a female squat 300 in sleeves in competition. You're up. Like obviously, you know, there's been a couple of girls who have squatted 300 um, in wraps in untested federations. Well, still, I don't know if that was still in- not still not that many though. No, I think the only one that I could really think of off the top of my head is like Hunter Henderson. There was one. Um, oh, I don't remember if that was in training or if that was in comp. I know she scored like three hundred two point five.
0: Yeah, there was one at the um, at that the big meet fairly recently. Mm. Um, oh, I can't remember what it was called. You know the one I'm talking about. It was like. Few months ago now, mm. when Will Will was there, I don't know. If, I don't know if you know that. Um, but there was a, that, a. Was that the American Pro? Yeah, the American Pro. That's it. Yeah. There was a female there that squatted really high two hundreds, and I think that
1: was like the biggest ever squat mm. um, by a female at that point. So from
0: memory, I mean, it was something like that. So, yeah, this three wild. Just absolutely insane. It's so fucking impressive. Oh, incredible, man. Just so incredible. And it, like mm. you said, it just opens the door for what's possible. Yeah. And I, like I think to- sometimes it just takes some someone to just do something that everyone just thought was you know, never be done. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, well, that is possible. And then more mm. people start to, to push more boundaries.
1: Yeah. It'd be cool to see what happens. I'm excited for it. Yeah, me too, man. Um mm.
0: Yeah, I didn't really see much else, to be honest. Like I saw
2: a bunch of well, sort I
0: saw that um healed healed actually, yeah. that world record
2: was pretty nice too. that was actually yeah. a beautiful sort too, and that's like. The thing that I really liked about it from like the men's perspective is it was all the sort of like light to midweight guys that did the best. Like all the 93s did really, really well. Mm-hmm. And that was like obviously, you know, the winner. I think it may have been a bit a podium from like the 93s. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that, but I know the Swedish guy that won, he was a 93 kilo lifter and he had a fucking wonderful performance. But I think, you know, seeing guys who are like 93 kilos in sleeves, drug tested, squatting 335, pulling, you know, close on 800 pounds. A couple of, It was that one American guy benching like 240. At, like I'm like, it's just fucking bonkers. That's but again, crazy. like because like, I remember when I first started coming up through powerlifting, it was like the 82s, the 90s, and the 100s were super competitive. And Mm -hmm. then it went through a phase where it was really competitive in like the 110s and the 125s. And I kind of hope it starts to swing back towards it like 82. Like when you know, I'm talking like JPC Pro Raw sort of thing. Like Mm -hmm. watching Pat the first Pro Raw that I ever went to
1: was when I saw Pat Morrison pull three something. It was fucking insane. But it was like at eighty-two kilos, he literally just like walks in, pulls a monster deadlift, wins. I'm like, he is like, insane, though. Oh, he's a freak. Loving everything. His death,
2: everything that he, he does, does is freak.
1: insane. Well, I mean, like, fuck, at Mulder,
2: he scored a four hundred, well, four hundred point five. Sorry, I'm not going to rob him of the five hundred grams. But <laughs> like, that, that man is a freak.
0: And it's, it's also a perfect example of literally what we were talking about just before where he does lots of other things other than just train like a
2: powerlifter. Yeah, he runs, he rides his bike. Yeah, from what I can see. Has a lot of versatility to his training belt. But I think this is also an aspect of training that a lot of people forget. It's like have fucking fun with it. Mm -hmm. Like again, with the, the basketball club that I've started working with at the moment, there's something that I've realized I've really missed a lot. That's jumping.
1: Yeah, dude, jumping's fun.
2: Dude, like even like I haven't, again, obviously like I've trained kind of like a powerlifter for, you know, a decade
1: mm-hmm.
2: and haven't really done a whole lot of like, you know, explosive work or running or anything like that. I just come like, hey, like there just hasn't really been a major need to. And I'm just like, oh, I just don't really care for it at the moment. But like one of the guys I was working with, who's like going through some of his rehab stuff at the moment, he took a, like a shot And the ball's like, he obviously made the shot and it's come down and the bottom of the nets are quite tight so that the ball sits and then it drops. And it came in and it got stuck in the net. And I'm like, I'm either going to make a fool of myself here or I'm going to like tear something or something like that. But I have literally like just jumped up, grabbed it with both hands and like come down. And he looks at me and he's like, he's like, dude, for like a dude as small and like stocky as you are, he's like, I'm surprised it like, how high and easily you got that out? I'm like, man, like when I was 15, I could dunk. <laughs> I'm like, could you really? Probably, yeah, that's pretty impressive because
1: you're a garden gnome. on a good day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like, like
2: when I was when I was young, you know, I grew up playing basketball. Like, yeah, grew up playing. I was not playing, but like competing in track and field as well. So it was all fast, explosive stuff, which is why I think I was kind of okay at powerlifting. Mm -hmm. I say, okay, I'm not going to say good because I don't really consider myself a good powerlifter, but I'm like, I was okay at it. I hit some decent numbers. Um, But like, I was like, I jumped up, I grabbed the ball and I was like, fuck, fuck, I really missed that. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, I took a couple of shots at night. I was like, fuck, like, I can feel like my body just isn't conditioned to like shooting a ball. And like, even like trying to recalibrate, like how heavy does a ball feel to me now mm-hmm. versus what it used to feel to me when I was like 16, 17. Yeah. And then like actually trying to like figure out like, okay, well, if the, the ring is this high and this far away from me, like how much do I actually need to give it to try and make this shot without either like severely, like under determining it or like overshooting it like a motherfucker. Yeah. But just, yeah. Going in like, Shooting and like jumping and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, fuck, I missed this.
0: Yeah. And that's still training. But that, and if you started to incorporate some stuff like that as well, mm. it'd probably make you a better lifter, man. Or it would get me injured and I would then not be able to train properly. <laughs> I, I think if you did it the right way, it would probably actually have you in a position where you would probably get injured less. Not that mm. you get
2: injured a lot.
1: Yeah. But you know like, what I mean. It would it years would... and
2: years and years ago. I used to do jujitsu, mm-hmm. and I loved jujitsu. But I was all like, you. Tip, you talk to anyone that rolls consistently. It's like you, you know, you get a toe caught on something. You jar a finger, like whatever it might be. But because of like how much grief my hips can give me, in some of the positions where it's like, like if I had someone in my guard and they were trying to like pass my guard, the amount of time like my hips would be. A bit angry with me if like a day or two afterwards and I try and go into the gym and train I'm like this is hard
1: yeah so for me it's
2: like I enjoy learning how to strangle people yeah but it's fun to strangle people oh yeah
0: dude I do do, do too it's great I I Mm. much prefer it over striking but I I can't do it anymore obviously just because it's like the art of joint manipulation and my joints (laughs) are not good already and I don't want them manipulated (laughs) yeah so it's it's definitely just striking only from now on but I'm talking like obviously jiu is like a whole different thing but just like yeah. some jumping, some skipping, some moving side to side, shooting hoops, things like that that you don't really think of as training or as of injury prevention would actually or could actually put you in a position where you're a little bit more robust and a little bit – um I, I just feel like, when you get hyper-specific in the way that you move, mm. what that does is that then makes you fragile in positions outside of that. Agreed. So when you expose yourself to different positions and different ways of moving, you become less fragile. Mm. A perfect example of that is um, you know, the the NFL player that we've referenced a couple of times on the show, Christian McCaffrey, and the way that he trains and that dude is durable as fuck yeah. um and he just the a big core principle of his training is to just put him in shit positions that's it and like and mm. it and you know when you're playing football when you when you, you you get put in shit positions and a lot of the time that's when people get injured when they're they're kind of like forced into these positions that they're not used to and mm. they crumble Yeah. He's he's become used to those positions because he's put himself in them so many times in training that he's now very durable. Mm. Scored a fantastic touchdown today too. Yeah. Oh, it was beautiful. I'll see if I can find a clip and send it to you. He's so explosive, man. He's he's such an impressive athlete. Did you watch the Super
1: Bowl? I did. I watched every single second of it and I thoroughly enjoyed it. What was your
2: Main takeaway from it because obviously I didn't really watch it. I watched a little bit of it while I was at the gym, but I know probably about three fifths of fuck all about American football. Mm-hmm. So like I literally watch. It. I'm like I just want to see someone get hit real hard.
1: That's <laughs> all I want to f- see. <laughs>
2: there was a few of those. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah, there was a few. There was a few really good hits. um I I have a couple of takeaways from an athletic viewpoint. Um. Like a strength coach viewpoint, the NFL players just really impressed me, man. And guys like Christian McCaffrey, it, I I had a close eye on him. He had a really good game, and just the way that he moves is fucking beautiful, man. It's it's just so pretty to watch. And if you if you have a moment and you just like want to witness. Like that type of shit that we were talking about last week where, with the hockey player that Jordan put on his story. Yeah. Just cool stuff like that. I would implore you to just go on YouTube and type in like Christian McCaffrey highlights and just watch five minutes. The guy, the way that he moves is impeccable. He's got – and and the cool thing that I, that I love about watching him play, and he's not even my favorite player, and he plays for a team that I actually – don't like at all (laughs) Mm. but from an athletic standpoint he is one of my favorite players to watch because he's so explosive but he's also so good at using um, his speed at different times so one of the things that we always spoke about when I was playing league was the really great players create time by not doing everything at a 100% and having different kind of speeds that they play at at different times of the game, but also at different times during one play. So like one thing that a really good halfback might do is like they'll take three really fast steps towards the line and that engages a few defenders right in front of them because they're coming at them quickly. But then they'll kind of like, back off their speed by 30% and kind of start to float a little bit sideways. So those guys are still engaged, but then the fringe guys are also engaged, but it's also, they're not as engaged enough to rush up because you've backed your speed off. So now you're kind of creating this illusion of more time. And McCaffrey does that so well. He'll like burst onto the ball, but then in a split second, he'll be able to hold himself up on a step create space, and then burst speed again on the next step and, and actually burst through the hole. It's so impressive to watch. Mm. And, and if he'll, he'll like plant his foot and if something moves in front of him, like if a defender moves, he can off that one planted foot, he can change direction in pretty much whatever way he wants to go. He can slow his speed down. He can speed it back up. He's got three different bursts of speed that he can use. Oh, man, it's just so impressive to watch. I can imagine so that was really cool. Um and he got a lot of touches, so I got to see a lot of that. And the other thing that my big takeaway from the game was that I fucking love sport and I fucking love Patrick Mahomes.
1: <laughs> Cuz
0: that guy is just an absolute freak. He um do you know much about Patrick Mahomes? So he's the the quarterback of Kansas City Mm-hmm. He's a fairly young player. I don't, I don't know exactly how many years he's been in the league. I think six. Yep. And out of that six, he's been to the playoffs I think all six years. Fuck, and he's that's won not a bad effort. Yeah, he's won his like championship, so there's, there's like two leagues in the NFL. He's won his side of it five out of the six years. And he's won, I think, four now. Yeah, three or three or four um, Super Bowls. And so he's won more than Tom Brady has at his age. Nice. And all of his stats are actually like ahead of Brady's stats Mm. at versus like the amount of the same amount of games. Yeah. But he's just, man, he's just so incredible. Hey, so he. It was wild to watch because when we, in Australian sport, like it doesn't really that often come down to the wire. No. Whereas in American sport, it oftentimes comes down to the very last play. You see that a lot in basketball and you see it a lot in in American football as well. And it went into overtime, Mm -hmm. um, but before it went into overtime, it, it was like they were winning, they were losing, Kansas was losing, then they were winning, then they were losing. And he got the ball back with about two minutes left on the clock. And then he went all the way down the field in like play, 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 just like marched the ball all the way down the field. And there was, there was like 15 seconds left mm-hmm. in the game. And they were, you know, like 30 yards out or something. And the commentators were like, oh, there's 15 seconds. There's so much time on the clock here. And I'm like, there's fucking 15 seconds left. I'm like stressing out because there's still three points behind. And then they run a couple of plays. And then there's like six seconds left on the clock. And the commentators are like, there's still six seconds on the clock. There's heaps of time left in this game. I'm just like... Dude, you got to do something now. There's six seconds left. You don't have yeah. time. Um, they ended up kicking a field goal, tied the match, went into overtime. Um, the 49ers went down, kicked a field goal, so then they're three points behind, behind again. And then the way the overtime works is both teams get an opportunity to score a touchdown. Um, so the 49ers went down, they kicked a field goal, not a touchdown. So then Kansas got the ball back like on their goal line, right? and they just went all the way down the field. It took like a
1: seven-minute drive and then scored a touchdown. Nice. And I was just like, this guy, man, to to be that
0: cool, calm, and collected at 25 years old in on the biggest stage, being only the second team ever to win back-to-back Super Bowls mm-hmm.
1: is ridiculous. That's like, I just love sport so much, eh? Hey? Mm.
0: So, yeah, I just... That was probably my biggest takeaway is he's the GOAT and I just want to watch way more sport. Do it. But, yeah, watch Christian McCaffrey highlights, man. He's a beast. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about programming?
2: Do I ever?
0: Let's talk about a little bit of programming and then I, I... For some reason, the questions didn't load into the spreadsheet, but I remember a couple of them. We can do we can do those as well, and then we'll cool. call it. Um, yeah, so lead us off on some programming chat.
2: So I think the way – again, like, like a lot of things we talk about, I kind of always like to utilize principles. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a – this is the only way I do it. Anything outside of this is ridiculous. It's kind of like, let's use the right tool for the right job. Yep. So one thing I will always kind of do as a standard across the board is I'll always go, where does someone want to go? Where are they now? Let's work backwards from there and kind of see how it needs to map out. Like, for example, and I I can use this off the top of my head because it's literally something I did today. I have an old client of mine that started back, coaching with me this week Mm -hmm. and she's like the goals that i have for 2024 is i want to squat 160 kilos i want to bench somewhere between 100 and 120 and i want to deadlift 200 kilos nice numbers and i'm like fuck yeah let's do it she's like i don't necessarily want to compete um i may down the track later this year decide hey look let's do a comp but she's like realistically for now it's just gym numbers and i'm like amazing So the way that I kind of will go, well, where do I need numbers to fall right now? Like first block back together, I'm not going to come down on her with a fucking hammer of the gods and be like, you must go 20 kilos heavier than you went in the last few weeks because now I'm taking control and you'll just fucking do what I tell you to do. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the way that I always try and preface it is I'm like programming is a very rough outline
1: Mm -hmm.
2: of where are you and where do we want to go and what do the numbers kind of need to do to kind of give us a bit of an idea that you're ready to achieve the goal that you've set out to. And this is obviously where individuality of expression comes into play quite a bit. Um, If I look back to my early days of competing, my rep work was always atrocious relative to what my top end was. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: I could always push my top end really, 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 really high compared to like what my rep work would suggest. Like I think the first time
1: I scored uh, 600 pounds, so like 272, my best set of five, I'm pretty sure was like 205. Yeah, right. My best triple was like 230. Like
2: there was, was, the numbers didn't really line up to go, you should be able to squat, you know, high 200s. Whereas now it's kind of the inverse. Whereas like all of my rep work is like, you should have a much bigger lift than what you do, Mm -hmm. which is obviously like, you know, one of the fun parts of training where it's like, you can kind of condition yourself to be able to do something depending on what your objective is. Like yep. we've spoken a bit at the moment, like my goals aren't exactly top end strength. There are a lot of them are, are base level strength. Um, But I think like when we are looking at things from a programming perspective of going, well, if we are, for example, trying to say deadlift 200 kilos, it's like, okay, well, where are you now? Now, I know for a fact, this client has had a 195 kilo deadlift in competition. Oof. Yeah. She's very strong.
0: Yeah. No shit, that's super strong.
2: Yeah, on the day, like so again, she competed pretty much just before it was about a year ago, um just before I moved up to to Newey, and
1: yeah, like, benched ninety ninety two point five, I think it was, which was like a national
2: record bench, and then she pulled one ninety five, which was a national record deadlift as well, and I was like. I could have put 200 on the bar, but I'm like, I wanted the heaviest deadlift that we possibly could have gotten within the realms today, which was 195. Mm -hmm. Like I said to him, like, I reckon if we'd gone 200, you may have hitched it Mm -hmm. or just like freaked out. Mm -hmm. But so like, obviously if we're looking at sort of like where the focus needs to be, I will always kind of go, where are we at the moment? Where are we trying to shoot to? What's the relative increase percentage wise? Mm-hmm. So, obviously, the lift that's got the highest percentage increase we need is probably going to need higher frequency to be able to facilitate more change and adaptation. Obviously, if we're looking at her deadlift, it's like, cool, we've got five kilos you need to put in that this year. That's not that hard. No. The bench, you know, she benched 95 a couple of weeks ago. It's like, cool. If you, if you want to bench 100, like, that's a pretty achievable goal in a fairly short time frame, depending on how we want to approach it. Mm-hmm. If the goal was, I want to hit these numbers as quickly as possible. It's like, cool. I would probably be like, come and see me four times a week for a month. And at the end of the month, we'll have those numbers ticked off. Happy days. But for me, the way that I'm approaching her programming at the moment is very much like a cool. If we are looking over a year and you know, we are looking over at a long game, but like, Let's get you to a point where we are pulling, say, 160 for sets of five. And that's pretty indicative that we're in the ballpark figure of where we kind of need to be to be setting you up to pull 200. Yep. You know, and then getting to a point where it's like, so that's, you know, 80 ish percent for sets of five. Um, if we're then looking at the next sort of like layout, it's like, cool, if we can be around about 90% for a triple, that's 180 for a set of three, which I'm pretty sure she has pulled before. Um, And then obviously, you know, depending on how we would do a peak leading into that, that could very well be cool. Like 200 might be there. You might just miss it, but like, it'll be pretty close. Be close. Yeah. Um, So I think for me, like I always kind of will work back from where we want to be kind of to where we are and kind of go, well, what sort of increases would we have to see over this block? And obviously, if we're not constrained by time as we're not in this situation, like If the numbers don't quite line up, it's like, cool, they don't have to yet because we've got time that we can kind of go through a cycle, come back down, repeat another cycle, and then we might hit down here or we might have to do another one after that. Yep. Um, So I think sort of coming back to like kind of like my overarching
1: principle around like, well, principles, it's like one, the idea is it's a rough guideline of
2: where are they, and where do they want to go? And it's a rough roadmap to kind of go. Well, we're here, and we're probably going to do a bit of this to get to here, and then it's very much a use the appropriate tool for the right job. Yeah, and the tool can change as well. It can change very quickly. Yeah, like, yeah. I've given her stuff where I'm like, yeah, like I'm pretty sure this will help get you stronger, but it may not. Mm-hmm. Like I had a I had a client that I started with a couple of weeks ago. And we had eight weeks to prep for a comp. Mm-hmm. And now her and I've had the conversation around me going. Usually, I wouldn't take on someone eight weeks out from a comp like yeah, Let's do it because the reality is we're not changing jack shit in that time. No, um, but I mean, like I've known her for years. Like I've watched her lift for ages. Like I kind of have a bit of an idea as you know what I'm trying to achieve with her. But I'm, I've also pretty much said I'm like we have a big off season planned. Yeah, but like a short window like that. I'm like, cool, I've got lifts I want you to be doing outside of your comp lifts, one of them being dips. Her gym doesn't have dip bars. So it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, cool, well, we can't give you dips then. But it's like, well, what exercise can I give you that will kind of elicit a similar outcome? And that's kind of one of the lenses as well that I like to look at things from is not necessarily going like, oh, well, you do a bench and then, because the bench is kind of like this. Well, then it now means that we have to do incline stuff to balance shit out. It's like if you're in a comp rep, you don't necessarily need to balance shit out. You kind of need to double down on the, the patterns and like solidify and reinforce them. Mm-hmm. Off-season is where you want to balance shit out. Yep,
0: exactly. Exactly. So this, think, this comes back to just like the conversation we're having before about periodizing. Yeah,
2: Yeah. So I think, you know, again, how I look at programming is... Very much specific to the individual. Um, but again, to sort of like recap, I think I go, let's take you from where you are to where you want to be using a, a rough guideline. And mm-hmm. that will change most likely throughout the time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and then sort of utilizing the overarching principle of like right job for the right tool. You know, there are times when I sit there and go, I love poor squats to help reinforce someone's squat but then there are other times where I might go you know what you're not going to do a poor squat I'm going to, to do a front squat instead there may be mm-hmm. times when I say to someone hey you're going to do tempo bench press there may be sometimes when I say to someone hey you're going to do block press mm-hmm. Like every individual while yes they have similarities they will most likely need accessories that are specific to where they are weaker in a lift
0: yep 100% Yeah. And I think it's important as coaches to, I believe, to not get locked into one style of programming either. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's lots of different ways of going about things. Uh, and we all have our preferences and biases on what works best. I just think it's a a big mistake and you're very much limiting yourself and the progress of your athletes if you just say, I'm only a, I only program linear progression. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I only I, do block, I only do block programming. That's it. Yeah. Like I, I think there's, I think there's a tool for, for the job and the tool can change. Like, and, and that can even just be that the style in which you program can change because it works better for, for that individual
2: for whatever reason. Like, I've got, again, like, I've got biases towards how I like to program, which I think any good coach over a decade plus long, like, career they'll sit there and go yeah like i have my biases because they're tried and tested mm-hmm. um like i think a really classic debate that comes up in the programming sphere is you know rpe versus percentage versus whatever it might be mm-hmm. and i think like this is probably going to piss a lot of people off but i feel like rpe is a really lazy way which don't get I me wrong f- can hate rpe i do and i don't like I do. For example, like this new client or oh, the, the client that I've had that started back with me, the first block that we're running together, it's like, cool. I'm giving her RPE because I'm like, I want to see where she falls. Like, but it's one yeah. block only. And then I'll go back to, Hey, this is what I needed you to hit. I've got another client where I'm like, Hey, cool. You get a weight range. Mm-hmm. I've got other clients that when I've gone, Hey, cool. I want you to hit an RPE eight. They're like, they hit like an RPE four. Like, Oh, that was really hard.
1: I'm like, What do you mean that was hard? Like
2: and then (laughs) Yep. And then I've got other clients that'll be like Like again, different clients will will respond to different inputs in different ways. Like I've got I've had clients in the past who have been like really neurotic Mm -hmm. and I could not give them RPE. Like we've been a comp prep and I'm like, this is what you have to hit today. And then next week, this is what you're gonna hit. And you're not gonna go either side of these numbers. Or pretty much like, I'm going to put my boot through your fucking head. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't quite that aggressive, but... Yeah, you know, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, but there are times when like, if a client really doesn't know how to regulate themselves as like an adult, asking them to like regulate their lifting, they, mm-hmm. they, they don't have a filter to be able to sort of go, well, did that actually move appropriately? Especially when they've got like m- some serious ego issues around their lifts. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, like I've had other clients in the past that have been so fixated on a specific number mm-hmm. where it's like, cool, like you've got an RPE9
1: this week and they're like,
2: oh, well, does that mean I can do this? And it's like, well, theoretically, Maybe. yeah, but it might also mean that like you hit half of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that that's actually true for athletes that really overthink on numbers as well and getting mm. really hyper fixated on numbers. It's like sometimes I can find if I give someone a load prescription that in theory should be, you know, what they're capable of on that day. And if yeah. for whatever reason they're not and things are not feeling good and they, they can't hit it, it's like, you know, for you or I, it would just be, oh, it's okay. Like I did. You know, I was meant to bench one sixty today and I benched one fifty five and I tried one sixty but I just just wasn't there today. Move mm. on. For some people they'll try one sixty and I'll miss it and they will be like, Fuck, it said I had to do one sixty today. I'm the shittest. Why am I getting weaker? This is horrible. I'm gonna pull out of my comp.
2: I it's think like this really comes Yeah, and I think this really comes back to like I mean, we spoke about this. In I think like our first or second episode, we were talking about like time that you have with a coach or time that you have with an athlete, mm-hmm. and that the more you get to learn about them as either a coach or an athlete, you know, you and I can sit there and go, oh, like I mean, fuck today. I'm like, yeah, I'm annoyed about my bench, but it's like cool. I literally like I dust myself off, and a couple of minutes later, I go back in and I just go back to work.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I exactly. think when we we can kind of like remove, like because again, like at the end of the day, like we know it doesn't really matter if we miss a top set. We can generally go, yeah, like, you know, I probably didn't have enough food and I probably was a little bit dehydrated. I probably didn't sleep as well last night or the last couple of nights. You know, I'm stressed with work. Like, I've got all these other factors that are sort of influencing me. It probably makes sense I didn't actually have, probably even the, the, the audacity to even try attempting that today. But you know what? on my program. Fuck it. I'll give it a go. See how we go. But mm-hmm. then it's like, if it doesn't come to, to fruition, it's like, well, cool. Like I know that there are things I can address. Like if it's, I think it's when you kind of go, oh, well, I've done everything perfectly and it still didn't go the way that I want it to. That's like, that can be a little bit of a harder pill to swallow. Yeah. But at the same time, like, it's like shit happens. Yeah. Shit like happens. It's, exactly. it's just, it's just lifting weights, mate. Like it's, yeah, it's, re- it's not really the the not the be all and end all. Um, But I think like coming back to like specific clients and what they kind of require. The longer that you have with a client, the longer, like the easier it is for you to go. I'm not even going to give you RP because I know you've got absolutely no chance of judging it correctly. What I'm going to do is I'm going to just say, hey, you can squat between 95 and 100 today. If you're feeling really strong, squat 100. If you're feeling a little bit less optimal than ideally, Go 95. It's still going to be hard, but it's still going to put you in the ballpark of where we kind of want you for the outcome that we're after.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think when, you know, I mean, like, I'm sure that there could be a, a screening process to go through with clients before they start with you. Because, again, you sit down with the clients like, oh, well, you know, what are you willing to do to, you know, to achieve these goals? Oh, mate, I'm willing to do everything I have to. And they give you the, the five-star, like, you know, put me in coach like (laughs) it's all mental (laughs) it's 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 all positive attitude it's just psychological (laughs) fuck i like that reel yeah it's my Um, favorite like it's funny i get the data and it's like oh it's had x amount of minutes worth of watch i'm like yeah it's probably all me (laughs) yeah me i've watched it (laughs) so many times it's just funny though because like the more you watch it you're like oh it's like oh i can put that that audio to like 30 people i know
1: yeah me being one of them
2: yeah <laughs> um but yeah like so i think i mean again when we sort of talk programming like i feel like it's a really vast ocean of context it's like it's like saying oh like where's the best place to fish yeah and it's like well fuck like what country are you in, like What season, like what time of year is it? Like there are so many factors that will sort of influence it's like we know when we sort of go, Oh, well, let's talk about programming. I feel like if we've got like a specific question, it's like, you know, do you prefer like RPE or percentage? It's like, cool. I prefer this and this is why. And then it's like, well, you know, looking at programming from the perspective of competition versus non-competition clients, it's like there's a very that's a very different ballpark. Yeah. Um again, like it's it's a very fun and annoying topic to talk about?
0: Yeah, it's, I find with a lot of, it's a conversation that I have um, fairly frequently, to be honest, because obviously I coach, um, obviously, you know, Ben, and for anyone listening, um, I actually am in a position now where a decent amount of my clients are actually also coaches themselves. Mm Um. And so I have discussions with them quite often about programming. And I have discussions with people in Instagram DMs quite often about coaching and and programming. And one of the the things that I find happens the most is people are like, I want to learn how I want to learn about programming. I want to learn when to do percentage, when to do RIR, when to, how many times to program this movement, how many times to program this movement, what, what should I program if this is happening? How can I fix this breakdown? Um, you know, what type of program should I write? Should I do, you know, how many weeks should my blocks be? When should I deload? You know, all of these questions around programming that, um, don't really have a black and white answer. Um, and I think that's the the most confusing thing for people is that the the answer most of the time is well, it really depends. Um, it depends, and it's very context dependent
1: mm-hmm.
0: and situational dependent. And I know a lot of people really struggle with that answer because that the, 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 there's no real like this is how you write a program. This is this is how you program. Um, for percentages, this is how you program for RPEs. This is how you fix this. This is how you fix that. This is how many times you program this a week, because everyone's going to respond so differently, and everyone requires different stimulus and different, um, you know, th- different workarounds and different fixes. And we're all built slightly differently. So, yeah,
2: and I think this is a an aspect where it's like the answer when people are like, oh, like how do I do this? It's like,
1: give it a go. Yeah.
2: Like, whatever you're thinking is the right way, try it. Try it. Yeah. If and it we are. So go on.
0: Yeah. We are. We, you and I are currently building out the content for the Strength Symposium. Mm-hmm. Um, and programming and periodization is a topic that we'll be covering um, for about 60 to 90 odd minutes during the entire day that we're there yep um and i do want to go into some kind of specifics around programming and periodization during that time um we're not just going to get up there and say well guys it depends um (laughs) thank you see you all later (laughs) thanks for the next half an hour you guys can go and get lunch um (laughs) there will be a bunch of content in there in that seminar that'll be really useful takeaways uh, in the booklets but I think it would be cool if um, we could actually write up some like part of the prac that we could do at that seminar would be we'll write up we'll go through programming and periodization principles that, that we like to use the way we see it and then we could do like a little um, like a, a prac kind of section towards that as well where it's like you know this person you know these are the things the considerations that we want you to think about let's let's kind of piece something together and then go
2: through it as a group. Yeah. I think that could be really fun. Well, I think as well, like it's always really interesting like working with other coaches when you go, hey, like here's a, a mock client, like write a program where coaches kind of will go, hey, I've got all this information about a client and what the program is that they come up with. Mm. Like it can be really interesting to see And again, like this is not me trying to throw shade by any stretch of the imagination, but it's like, it's really interesting to see which coaches have never had experience with work outside of the industry. Like you might get a kid that's like 23, 24. They've worked in a a gym since they were 18. They've been training since they were 15. They think they know everything. And they get like a, a single mom of two who's working full time while looking after her kids And they do the whole like, oh well, you know, you've got the same twenty four hours in a day that I do, so I don't see why you can't prioritize this. It's like, oh, like if she could, she would probably slap you right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would too. That's I, I hate when people say that. That's one of the most annoying, um, fitness
2: Instagram industry sayings of the
0: last decade. I think.
2: Yeah, or like when you get someone who's only ever worked in gyms and they get someone who works shift work. And they're like, oh, well, you need to prioritize your sleep. Like, come on. Yeah, like- no shit,
0: dude.
2: It's like, no yeah, shit. Like, yeah <laughs> but like, you know, I also fucking save lives. So like, I don't know what you expect me to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That- That's
0: one of the questions that we did get actually was, um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something along the lines of um, programming considerations for someone with a labor intensive job. Or shift workers, mm-hmm. or something along those lines, and I think it's important. I know, um, you know, for the guys that I have that are shift workers, especially. Um, I don't. I don't think I have any laborers, um, but I do have a couple of shift workers that work in the the mines, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. we're big on fatigue management, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and obviously, like I help manage mm-hmm. that. Fire programming um, yep. because I don't I don't think that the correct answer is just telling someone to to take it easy, um, make things appropriate. Yeah, I'm just going to program in a way that it that it it manages their fatigue for them. Yeah, um, and so the, our programs will change fairly drastically from week to week depending on what they've got going on, and they're mm-hmm. just purely based off off of check-ins
1: um
0: because i think it's really important to to mention um you know something that you and i probably think is is um you know common knowledge but probably isn't is that um training is a stress on the body on the system um stress is a stress fatigue is a stress work stress relationship stress um yeah, all, all of these things that we perceive as like
2: stress, it all just falls into the same stress bucket. Yeah, like the body can't differentiate between training stress and emotional stress.
0: No, it's just it, the, mm. to the body, it's just stress, right? So if you have a shit ton of stuff going on outside of the gym, your bucket is going to be near capacity. If you then just go and do the exact same amount of of, set of workload that you do in the gym, um, you know, all of that training stress and workload that just then overflows your bucket, and that makes it much harder to progress. And I see it all of the time. So it's just educating people around the fact that you know we we do need to take outside factors into consideration when we're programming. It's not just like we don't live in a capsule of gym and then nothing else and complete darkness until it's time for gym again some people do though (laughs) yeah well dude like it's my job and not even i do like there is there's life outside of the gym and even the people that say they do
1: do they have partners probably not that well yeah some Some people don't but i would say i don't on the (laughs) I would
0: say on the planet, there's probably very few people that have zero stress outside of the gym, some some much less than others, but majority of people that have a life outside of the gym, um, especially in powerlifting, it's not a professional sport. They're not the NFL players that I watched on the TV today that turn up at the facility at 7am and have breakfast, train all day, go home, sleep, come back the next day. That's literally their entire life they probably have a lot left, less life stress than your average state-level powerlifter who works all day, goes home to their family and has to deal with everything else that's going on in the world outside of the gym. Agreed. So we can write the best programs in the world, but if um, if you can't recover from them, they're no good. So I think that's um, super important. That's that's my take on it. I'd say you'd probably be the same. Yeah, very so much so. It's it's just communication as well. It's, I think a lot of this comes back to communicating between coach and client. Um, if there's no communication, like dude, our hands are so tied in what we can do.
2: Well, I think that really comes back to it. Is like as much as it's great for us to be able to communicate. Hey, look, this is why I've given you X, Y, and Z. But on the flip side of that, like if a client's like, hey, look, you know, I've got rotating rosters for the next five months. Mm -hmm. My training is there may be days that you've programmed for me that I can't hit that day and I might need to chop and change the days that I do it. If that's the case, like, how do we need to adapt it? Like, again, give and take, nice balance between communication styles in terms of figuring out where someone is, where they need to go, and how we're going to get there.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I had this exact conversation with a, um, fairly new client today. Yep. Um, he, I did did his check in today. Um, my check ins are fairly in depth. I I have like a, a really in deep, like in depth back and forward conversation with um, with the the athlete as I'm programming for them. So I know exactly what's going on. Um, and he mentioned that he didn't get many sessions done last week because he had stitches and couldn't do a lot of the stuff. And I was like and and he's pretty new so um this was just kind of like a an educational opportunity mm-hmm. and I just I was like dude you like when stuff like that happens you just reach out and tell me say to me hey man I've got stitches you know wherever um I'm going to find it hard to do these certain things. And then yep. that gives me the opportunity then to change your program to suit you for the week, so that you're not just not doing something, I can change it to stuff that you can do so that we're still making progress. Um,
2: but yeah, you know if I don't know that you have stitches, I can't do that for you exactly, and that's again, I think coming back to the whole equal and balanced communication,
1: yeah hmm.
0: very much
2: so yeah um, one of the other questions that we had
0: was um thoughts on conjugate and why is conjugate the best uh,
1: do you want to start this one? No, I want you to okay I'll start
0: look there's <laughs> there's there's parts of conjugate that I actually
1: don't mind mm-hmm. again, I don't know a whole bunch about it um
0: other than my personal experience in in doing it um mm-hmm. i've never had a coach like that had a conjugate coach that's running me through it or anything like that it was just kind of like me doing it myself um the aspects the the part that i like about it though isn't i like that they do like a heavy and then and then a speed lighter work. exposure um and i know that they use it as speed work and um I don't so much like it for the speed work um, because I'm a. I don't think I subscribe so much to just like speed being as big a factor in um, a good lift as maybe what other people do. Mm. I think that technique and strength and just like moving something properly is probably a better way of. A better thing to shoot for than trying to move it as quickly as possible. Um, but I do like the aspect that of doing a lighter exposure with um, fewer reps but more sets. Just from a um, exposure to the movement standpoint, and just getting better at doing the thing. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I actually do use in my programming is, say, um, if I want to do like a third, say I'm doing three three bench exposures throughout the week, uh, I might do like a heavy bench or like a, a heavier bench variation. And then I might do like a, a pause bench or a slower centric bench or something like that. And then I might do for a third bench, I might do something like um, six to eight sets of two reps at, like, 75 to 80% of the heavy day
1: mm-hmm. just for, like, pure let's just get heaps of reps in. Yeah. Set up every time.
0: Get in, it's more exposure to setting up, getting in position, getting it all right. Mm.
1: I don't mind that aspect of it. I don't love much else about it, to be honest. Yeah. What about you? I like the accommodating resistance component
2: of it. Um, again, like being very spoiled at my gym, having a lot of the machines that kind of you know, you can change which aspect of the lift they are going to be favorable or more challenging. And I think that's been a really nice way to
1: include it into my accessories. Um mm-hmm. I've not done a huge amount in terms of like really heavy banded work for anything other than really my deadlift. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: I've done some banded deadlift work for a while. Um, I've done a little bit of like benching with chains and that sort of stuff. And to be honest, like, I, actually, I quite enjoy it,
1: mm-hmm. but
2: I don't think I probably had – like similar to you, I don't think I probably had enough genuine exposure to it to kind of go,
1: mm,
2: yeah, okay, well, like this is going to be really good. But I would also look at it from the perspective of like a lot of the real like I know obviously like, if you talk to anyone who well like even watching like watching interviews with the guys from West Side and they've like adapted it to be more friendly to raw lifters. I think mm-hmm. looking at it when it first kind of like came about, it was used heavily for for guys that competed
1: in gear. Um, you know, doing like reverse banded box squats. It's like what real application
2: does that have to a raw lifter? Like probably not a whole lot because, you know, when you look at someone who's competing in a suit with wraps on, like they're pretty well enforced in that bottom position
1: mm-hmm.
2: because of the nature of like what the suit and everything's going to do. Um But I think like even if I look at where my lifts currently are, like my bench, like my lockout gets – it gets hard pretty quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. And there are obviously like, you could sit there and go, oh, well, it's probably because you're losing a bit of scapular stability as you're pressing off the chest. It's like, yeah, that that's probably a degree of it. But at the same time, like what are some things I can do to help improve my ability to actually keep pressing through my lockout? Like, you know, is a block press going to be suitable for someone like me? I would say yes, because I've run that as a, as a part of my programming before, and it had paid off beautifully. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think it's just sort of really coming down to the whole, again, like individualize it, trial it. Yeah. See if it works. Like I've done, you know, some benching with chains before, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, I really like this. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah, because I I – I see the argument of, say, let's take a block press, for example, and people saying, well, a a block press isn't a full-range bench, so Mm -hmm. you're losing out on the the bottom range of the bench press. Mm -hmm. So essentially what you're doing this for is triceps, and there's just way better tricep exercises. and." I agree there is way better tricep exercises, but I also think there's huge merit in, like you said, learning to drive through that that lockout range of the bench. That, you know, learning how to grind essentially, or exposing yourself to heavier loads through that range so that when it does get grindy, you can actually finish the rep.
2: Like I I've run a bench peak before where on my main bench day, it was like, it was a top single. And then I think it was like two sets of two afterwards or something like that. And then my secondary day was three by three block press at what I hit my top single at. And my God, did I get fucking strong in that, in that little trial of it. To the point where I like, if I'm sitting there going, yep, I'm going to be really amping up the intensity on my bench and I'm going to be pushing some heavy weight, I know as a, as a constant, it's like, cool, I'm going to have block press in my program because mm-hmm. I know that that supports my, like as a really nice carryover movement for my raw bench to my chest where I'm like, yep, like I know I'm going to be strong off my chest here because where where I tend to slow down a little bit in, in my bench press is pretty much where I have to start pressing from off my chest with the block.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And again, like I know people come back to the whole like, oh yeah, but like it's because you can't control your scapula properly in those the ranges that you're not doing in with the block on. It's like yeah, but like if I can also get myself to a point where I can get used to extending my elbows with a lot more intensity off that position and build capacity there, like while I also address the scapular stability work in my main bench, it's like I'm now also addressing another area that's going to help then feed into that bench improvement. Yeah, you can do both.
1: Yeah. Why can't we have both? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: look, and it, same thing with my bench. I did that block where, two blocks where I was using the um, slingshot. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I found helped really well, as you know, you and I have had a ton of discussions about one of my biggest issues with my bench was losing my upper back. Yeah. Right. And that was just making it almost impossible for me to have any decent progressions on my bench. So what I found with the slingshot was one, because there was more load and two, because of the nature of the slingshot being, you know, it's like if you lose position even slightly, that thing's just like flinging you in all directions. Right. So it made me stay so tight in that bottom position when the slingshot was loaded because if I didn't, it was going to end really badly and it did a couple of times. Mm. So then when I took the slingshot off, I found that I had way more control over my upper back and my scaps and I was able to hold position way better, which was a, a huge reason why
1: my bench was looking so much better recently than it ever has. I think this is like another thing to
2: to sort of talk about at the moment is like we could sit there and go, well, you know, if, you, if you're losing scapular position, if you're losing upper back position, these are the drills that you need to do. But again, this is half the fun of programming and all that sort of shit. Someone may do those exercises and go, it's just not clicking. And you might go, hey, cool. Well, instead of doing that, we're going to give you a really movement that technically probably doesn't have the same principles. But for some reason, it just clicks forward and they go, oh, I now understand what it feels like to have tension in my upper back. So now mm. when I go and do it here, I understand the sensation and I can correlate the two better. Like for me, you know, we were sort of talking about like when you were saying you're taking SPD out of your program. And I was like, I was fortunate enough. I got to do that during lockdowns. Mm-hmm. One of the exercises that I started doing a lot of during lockdowns was Z press, yeah, both with a barbell and with a with dumbbells, and sort of going from here and being able to press up overhead, and understanding okay, I can allow my scapula to, to move a little bit more freely, and the amount of engagement I got in my upper back, I'm like, oh, this is what upper back tension feels like, yeah, and then it was like cool, like I'm going to do some like incline rows, I'm like, oh, this is what it feels like. So when I look at movements I'm going to do before a heavy bench session, I know I'm always going to do a few priming sets of like, cool, I'm going to go do some, some incline dumbbell rows. I'm going to go do some dumbbell Z press. I'm going to get my upper back firing really crazy to bring mm. that sensation to a higher level of consciousness so that when I'm like, cool, I'm under a bar here, I'm coming down, that feeling of going, yes, I'm, I have my upper back engaged, but I don't have to bastardize, scaps back and down, scaps back and down, scaps back and down. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I do want to address um, one more thing about conjugate
1: mm-hmm.
0: because it just came to mind as you were talking about that. Is a huge um, argument, I guess the the conjugate crowd would make, and I know this for a fact because I've had this conversation with. There's there's a whole crew, a, a whole crew that does conjugate at the at uh, the gym that I um, coach out of. When I come up, I'll and- fight them. <laughs> yeah. We'll tag team them. One of them is going to be Ooh. at the seminar, so we'll, he's the ringleader. We'll tie him we're, up. We're going to bully throw, him. Throw him so much. off the ledge. Amazing. Hey, we're going to bully him so much. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm a big bully we're, advocate. We're just
2: going to like gear the, pro- the the seminar around being like, this is why conjugate shit. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: just a <Yeah>. shit <laughs>
0: Yeah. So one of the one of the um their biggest I guess, like selling cards is it's not boring, right? Like we get to do lots of different Mm. things, which is true. And I agree that after a certain point, doing endless amounts of squat, bench and deadlift gets fucking boring as hell. Right, like there's only so much squatting and benching and deadlifting that you can just do on repeat before it's like, okay, I, I kind of need to do something else now just to to keep this interesting. Um, my counter argument to that would be you shouldn't be doing squat, bench, and deadlift all year round anyway. Let's just let's just do some movement variability. Let's periodize your programming. Let's make it interesting.
2: Let's train some other qualities.
0: And then you get the best of both worlds.
2: Because the like to sort of continue on from your point, if someone's going to sit there and go, oh, well, I like to do something different all the time, it's like, cool, go do CrossFit.
1: Yeah,
0: it's not so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's- oh, man, I would never say that to someone. That's so mean.
2: That's quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, wow. but I
0: do, I think you can do that. You can hmm. do you can have movement variability, and I think that you should because it keeps training interesting. Um, well, shit, we you know, talk just,
2: we talk heaps about movement variability. Yeah, it's one of the, the you know the things that we talk about the most. I would say. Yeah, but I think it's like rather, and this is obviously like I know I shit on CrossFit a lot, but it's kind of like random generated stuff. At least with yes. Conjugate, it would probably be like, hey, look, we're going to run. This block, and we're going to do heavy safety bar good mornings as our as our main hinge movement, and we're going to have speed or banded RDLs at seventy percent for doubles Like yeah. that we I'm like yeah, cool like that would probably make sense and then the following block it might be it might be something like oh well we're going to do like a seated good morning or what whatever the 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 thought process and the progressions is like are um like again not i don't i don't want to shit on it entirely i think the fact that we were both like hey look we probably don't know enough about it to really shit on yeah. it too heavily yeah. um, but i think yeah like the mood variability i think is going to be key but i think it also just comes down to like periodizing well yeah exactly
0: that's it. that's that's the point i was getting at as well but i do want to probably just end it on saying
1: um as well is if that's what you like to do then that's what you should do, hmm. right?
0: Because at the end of the day, the best program is the one that you're going to stick to and and follow and do. Yeah. And if that's conjugate, if that's crossfit, if that's you know running up sand hills, whatever it is, if you can Good commit way. to it and actually do it long term, that's what's going to make progress for you. Yeah. Then you you probably shouldn't try and do anything else because it's not going to work if you can't do it. Uh, One of the other topics that we got asked to cover was um, judging
1: standards and um, is judging potentially political and or if not, why is it so inconsistent or why can it be so inconsistent? Do you want me to kick this one off? Yeah, go for it. So, again, I'm going to
2: talk about sort of like my upbringing in powerlifting to kind of preface my answer. Mm -hmm. All of the comps that I pretty much did in the first few years were all done at PTC HQ. Mm
1: -hmm. All
2: done through GPC when GPC was... Big. Big. Mm -hmm. Um, The one thing I always loved was watching... One of the guys that trained there, Jesse, so the guy who owns Jim Marcos, it's his son, Jesse. He would be judging when his mum was squatting. And my favorite thing was always like, cool, he gave her reds.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: This was always the thing I would look at and go, they always have, for the most part, a pretty good level of judging. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like... There are times when I'm like, yeah, there may be some lifts passed because they go, oh, well, we like this person. We want them to succeed. Prime example, my 160 bench.
1: <laughs>
2: um, but then there's been other times as well when I'm like, cool, like they're judging their training partners and their best friends. And they're just like, no, like it wasn't deep enough. Like, sorry, mate. Like, I'm not going to pass it. Like, I think this is always going to really boil down to like what people really want to see come from the sport. And when we really look at the rule book, most of the time, like when it comes to something, say like squats, it literally says in the rule books, it's like, if there's any doubt or if you're not a hundred percent sure it was high, like favor has to go in the lifter. Yeah. So I think if we take that into really like into context, like shit, there may be times when, your vision gets impaired a little bit from a spotter being in the way. Mm -hmm. It's like, cool. Like you can have a kind of a look at the rough angle of where the femur ends up. And like, that looks like it could have been close. That looks like it could have been high. I'm not really sure. Technically, they have to give them a white light.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: So I think when we do look at... Standards of judging, it kind of has to then boil down to like one, what does the judge actually want from the comp today? Like, if someone's attempting a world record, I think it's a little bit different as like what should be required from a judge in terms of like if you can't see, like you need to get into a position where you can see. Um, obviously, first and foremost, like safety of the lifter has to be paramount. So, I think that kind of makes things challenging. But again, I come back to Scott from Queensland. You know, you'd watch him spot like to judge at big dogs, and he would be sprawled on the fucking ground like Spider Man, trying to get (laughs) a vantage point to better go. If I'm going to give you know a 460 kilo squat white lights, I want to make sure that it deserves white lights, and if it doesn't, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you reds. Um, but (sighs) judging is hard. Like as much as we have objective requirements, it's still subjectively informed by the person that's watching it.
0: Yeah, there's a human element to it, right? And there always yeah. will be.
2: And, yeah, so and I, that's,
0: but that, that's the same as every single sport on the
2: planet. Yeah, like you look at refs for like the Super Bowl, you look at refs from NBA, like, yeah, like we can sit there and go, oh, well, there's a lot of things that we can see pretty clearly, but there are going to be times when like when it comes down to the crunch where you go, fuck, there is going to be a human element where there's potential for error. Yep. You know, I know we and- send videos to each other all the time and we're like, this is high as fuck. what? Where was the fucking pause? Like mm-hmm. there are some feds and some judging, which I'm like, that surely takes the piss. Like I've seen videos of people in when they're benching where the bar hasn't even touched their chest yet. And they have gotten a press call. I've seen that too. And I'm like, like that to me, I'm just like, cool. That person just shouldn't be judging. Um, yeah, that's right.
0: And they shouldn't, but there's, the, the, there's extenuating circumstances like that. And like, you know, your bench with, with the butt and stuff. That's just mm-hmm. like, clearly that's a bad call, but then there's the, the, you know, generally when it's a, a, like a bad call in air quotes, it's very borderline. It could go either way. And, um, there's always a human element to it and whatever side of the fence you sit on um is going to determine you know how you feel about the call i guess as well um yeah you know if it's someone that you like you'll be like oh no that was that was you know right on the line that was perfect the exact same lift of maybe someone that you're not so fond of you'll be like oh that was high why'd they get whites you know i think that Mm. you know how we feel about um things definitely can skew the way we see them. Um, And judging shouldn't be like that, but sometimes it is because we're all human. And as well on the other side of that is if you're a spectator or a coach or another athlete or you're sitting at home watching, you're sitting in the crowd watching, you're sitting, you know, on the sidelines watching, you don't have the pressure of, having to be the one to make the call in the moment. So it's much easier to sit back and say, that was high or that was good, that shouldn't have got reds, uh, than being actually the person on the hot seat making the call in the moment with no replays. Mm -hmm. They're going to make mistakes and I think, you know, sometimes you just kind of have to take the good with the bad. And my advice if you're a lifter is just don't leave any doubt in the eyes of the judges, and you'll be fine. One thing I'm and going if, to add to that.
1: Sorry,
0: mm-hmm. go on. Are go. you going? And if you, also, if you're a lifter,
1: just try not to worry about what other lifters are doing. Just worry about yourself. Mm. Go for um, it. Yeah, you know, I think sort of like continuing on from the point you are making, like you're not the one in the hot seat having to make those decisions.
2: And if you're really that upset with the level of judging, Go become a judge. Put mm-hmm. yourself in that position and then see how you go when you have to deal with people cracking the shits at you if you if they think you made a poor call. Like I've I've said this to you quite often. I would love to get more involved into refing.
1: Mm-hmm. Because I think I would be brutally fair across the board. I feel like I would be pretty unforgiving but I feel like I would do that across the board with everyone. Yeah. Like, my favorite, like, there are
2: certain refs that, like, when I've gone to comps, I'm like, oh, like I know that this person's rapping. It's like, cool. I know that it's going to be, it's going to be pretty rough out there today. But then, like, the moment, that like, you get a white light from them, it's like, oh, I know I'm doing good. Yeah. And if, if the, if there
0: is federations or meet directors or, or comps at certain gyms that are, you know, playing favorites or being political with it. I really don't think it'll take long before people catch on to that and that just you know, that federation dies or, you know, that meet director doesn't get anyone signing up to the comps anymore. Yeah. It, it's stuff like that kinda has a way of auto regulating itself. Yeah, it's all gonna come out in the in the wash eventually. Yeah. It does it does suck in the meantime though if that kind of stuff is happening. But yeah, I think there's there's ways around it. Um Can't remember, can't remember many more. Um, many more questions. I did put that photo in there, but sorry, man. Mustn't today's been a technical difficulty day. It's all good, man. Um,
2: I'm not going to be one to sit here and uh and have a go at you for not being tech savvy enough when I'm like,
0: technology. Oh, I did. I did put it in there. I think it was the lack of coffee. I'm going to blame the lack of coffee. It mustn't have saved or something. But oh, well. Anyway, that's that's all the questions that I can
1: remember for today. Um, so maybe we should just end it there. Cool. And um,
0: we'll come back next week. Do you want to do the deadlifts next week? I really do. Okay.
2: Cool. Obviously, like, just- I think. We're going to – I think we'll have like obviously like a conventional part and a sumo component of it, mm-hmm. Um whereas I think obviously like when we've spoken squats or spoken bench, it's been a little bit more like, oh, well, like we kind of have like a comp version. We kind of have a non-comp version.
1: Mm-hmm. I think
2: this one will be a little bit more interesting because they're both allowed in powerlifting. Yeah. Um But yeah, I, I think we'll have a bit of fun with deadlifts next week.
0: Cool. Me too. And I did just want to mention before we end it, Um, Again, about the Strength Symposium seminar that Ben and I are running uh, up here at Apex Strength in Thornton on the 20th of April. Saturday, the 20th of April from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. If you can come along, I highly recommend that you do so. Um, We're going to be covering programming, and periodization, um, principles of the squat, bench, and deadlift. Um, We have a nutrition special guest, M, the sports nutritionist. It will be talking all things fueling strength athletes. Uh, And there'll be theory and practical components to the day. Uh, We do have a limited amount of early bird tickets still available. I have a link in my bio. We have the link in the Bars Loaded bio. Em has a link in her bio. And if you know Ben and you would rather deal with Ben, you can message Ben and he will send you the link to sign up uh, to buy tickets
1: um, to come along. Ben, do you have anything to add to that? Maybe in next week's episode, but for now, Uh, I think you've covered everything beautifully
2: Um, thank you thank you so much yeah I think I'm we might have something extra to add next week we'll have a chat off air Um, just for those of you who do listen. we might try and throw in something a little bit spicy for you guys beautiful we'll have a chat yeah we
0: um, I definitely want as many people to come along as possible. So if you have any questions about it, if you're on the fence and you're not sure if it's going to be suitable for you or if you'll learn anything or if you know any questions at all, just shoot one of us a
2: message. We'd we'd love to answer any questions that you have about it. Honestly, like it really doesn't matter how simple or like what kind of question you think it might be. Like we will be open to any question. So yeah, if if you've got any questions, ask us. We don't bite. Well, not hard anyway. So. Um, yep. I mean, unless you ask really, really nicely, but yeah, yep. ask, ask the question and we'll happily uh, provide a very in-depth answer or a short answer, whatever you prefer. Yes. <laughs> All right, mate. I'll talk
0: to you soon. Thanks right, for so putting up bit- with me and my technical issues. It's the things I do for you, mate.
1: <laughs> Have a good week. You too, Simon.